Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, the bearded legend, the one and only, Mr. Paul Levy. Welcome back, everybody, to the, well, what is going to be the final episode of the season. Um, we hope that the post-mortem of this season isn't too painful for you to hear. A couple of special guests joining us today who, to be honest with you, really don't need much of an introduction at all. Um, sat opposite me and next to Steve um, will be uh, fondly remembered for his tenure as CEO of Leighton Orient Football Club, along with Chairman and Owner Barry Hearn. Welcome back from episode 50, Matt Porter. Welcome. Thanks, and sat to my right, Ambassador for Prostate Cancer UK, if I'm not mistaken, Outstanding advocate of Leighton Orient Football Club's family traditions, involved with the youth club, monitoring their progress. Welcome back since last year, Errol McKellar. Good evening, Orient family. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we've got loads to talk about tonight, um, but we'll just crack on with the reviews from episode 70. So just a few that we had. So firstly from Atlee Madinavi said, well done on all the season's podcasts. You captured the ups and downs perfectly. And here's to more ups and downs than downs, sorry, next season. Absolutely. And at Janine Edelman says, thanks for all your hard work this season. Enjoyed hearing from at Dulcet Dave. That was in last week's episode, but was worried he wasn't going to draw breath. Yeah, he was very <laughs> he good last week, Dulcet Dave. He's, He's fantastic. On. And at Valencia underscore Orient said, another great pod. I think Dave Victor's list was spot on. In fact, they're the very things money can undermine stability confidence etc so a great point do you know what? I think that was probably the key fundamental point that, that, that Dave hit on last week was about the stability that, that and, and the, the togetherness yeah. and cohesion that, that we perhaps haven't seen this season uh, at Orient Meat Pie said top work again chaps Dave Victor said exactly what I was feeling not sure there's a man alive to keep Francesco Bacchetti happy though yeah well, interesting point maybe one day he'll, fi- he'll find him but until that day we'll, uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep going through the managers and finally at LEJ88 <coughs> said I was already hooked but as an exiled bluebird, I particularly enjoyed this special, special Cardiff Outlook edition. Keep yeah, it up. that refers to your comment about uh, when we talk about Russell, Russell Slade. Slade. Yeah. So thanks for all the reviews. We couldn't mention all of them, but we mentioned what we can. So just keep them coming. Absolutely. Uh, moving on now, Play With A Legend is taking place at, uh, at the football club on May the 19th. That's this coming Thursday. Um, John Mackey and Gary Alexander will be captaining the sides. Uh, Steve, our very own Orient Outlet podcast co-host, will be on John Mackey's side taking part in the first half first alongside half John Mack. Centre midfield Centre alongside midfield. John Mack. So, no pressure. No pressure. No at least pressure he won't tackle you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I must just stress, right, to any Orient supporter, it's certainly worth turning up to watch that game. On, on That's both. exactly it. It's a fiver. You yeah. can buy a ticket. You have to buy a ticket in advance. You print out um, your um, receipt that they give you because it's all done pay- yep. from PayPal. And you bring that along and it will be in the gallery. So I think there's refreshments that you can purchase as well. And also, um, we think there might be appearance from our very own Dean Cox. So worth the effort and worth the en- entrance fee alone there, yeah, I think, probably. Absolutely. See you Thursday. Yeah, see you Thursday, see you everyone. Thursday. And also playing at Hello Turf on Brisbane Road on Saturday, 21st of May, will be young Harry Hebron for the under-7s UPI Yellows. So good luck in your tournament, Harry. Uh, and let us know how you're going. Yeah, message us. We're at Orient Outlook on Twitter. Yeah, so a big exclusive coming now. Um, so we heard uh, last night we could, that... Uh, Orient have officially approached Gabby Zakuani's representatives with a view to bringing him back to the club. So that's an exclusive. Found it out last night. A hundred percent true. Very exciting. Two times. sources confirmed that as well. So um, 
Keep your eyes peeled. Let's see what happens with that one. I think I think a lot of people have been calling it with Aaron Pollock and him alongside each other will be a, a, a recreation of Johnny Macken and and Gabby uh, when they were playing for us ten years ago. It'll so, just be like history repeating yeah. itself, and we all know what happened that season. Conveyor belt. That's uh, uh, um, the pupil now becoming the teacher. Teacher. Really. Yeah, that's exactly it. Be careful with Aaron Pollock though. He played really well in the last, you know, against Mansfield in the last couple of games. But it's a lot to, to be to be saying to him. Yeah, okay, he can come in and do a full start yeah, next yeah. year. You know, I mean, you yeah. should be really should be looking ten to twelve appearances next year, regular on the bench, Johnson's Paint Trophy, League Cup stuff yeah. like that. You know, so don't don't uh, let him off the reins too early because you know they've got to be ready before they're blooded on a regular basis. I think Errol will have seen plenty of kids yeah. over the years, and it's all about timing with them. But I saw the Mansfield game at home and I thought Pollock was outstanding absolutely outstanding yeah. but you know it's a long way from that to 46 games a season yeah That's great point true. good point great point yeah. so it's the last podcast of the season so we're going to do um, as we mentioned earlier a bit of a post-mortem a bit of a review on on the season month by month yep so August started well enough uh, got off to a flyer five wins yep. out of five so obviously beat Dagenham sorry beat Barnet at home 2-0 first game of the season then went to Dagenham and Redbridge and won 3-1 and Stevenage at home 3-0, Newport away 3-2, and Bristol Rovers 2-0. So some smashing performances under Hendon in his first five games. Yeah. Some absolutely unbelievable goals in those first five games as well. Blair Turgot, Dean Cox's free, free kick away to Dagenham Rebels. Yeah. We were kind of on dreamland really. Also we played MK Dons away in the League Cup, almost pulled off an upset but conceded two late two goals, late goals yeah. um, and went out of the League Cup. But in terms of August, it was a phenomenal month, you know. Club was Couldn't United. have wanted a better start. Absolutely, and also Ian Hendon won Manager of the Month. Jay Simpson won Player of the Month, and it finished with Ian Hendon's target, my well, main primary target through the summer. I would say uh, Jack Payne being signed on transfer deadline day until until the end of the season on loan from Peterborough. So. Yeah. Things couldn't have looked any better coming out of August, I would say. No, absolutely. So we were top of the league at the end of August. We played 5-1-5, obviously drawn none, lost none, um, other than the MK Dons league game. Um, we'd scored 13 goals and only conceded three. Yeah, so the defence were looking good. Everyone was looking great. New signings so were looking 15 good. points there. Not a bad return at all. 100%. 100%. So couldn't have got off to a, a more perfect start. But then came September and curse of the Manager of the Month award strike, uh, striked as uh, we didn't win a league game. We lost two. That was Exeter and Carlisle. We drew three. to That would be Cambridge, Wickham and Northampton. Um, and unfortunately, Paul McCallum picked up what, what we feared would be a season-ending injury. Um, we also got knocked out the JPT, losing 2-1 away at Luton. Yeah, I mean, the Exeter's defeat really looked like it cost us. We didn't just get beat, we got absolutely hammered. I think it was 4-0. She's out one away on international duty and Grange had a tough... He flapped at the first half debut. Well, he conceded a penalty like, really early that's on. Um, and that seemed to knock the confidence. And you know, away draw to Cambridge wasn't too bad. Mm. Same with Wickham at home. I'll tell you what was interesting about September, that all the teams that we played in there... We're in the mix at, at the end of it, weren't we? Yeah, good spot. In terms of, you know, sort of um, player, you know, <clears throat> promotion-wise and playoff uh, places. So it was quite significant that we, you know, we kind of needed to show something in that month and we just didn't kick on, did we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we battered Northampton. I think their keeper, I think it was Matt Smith, ended up having like an amazing game. It took like a 94th minute the came, the came strike. Bridge. No, no, Northampton. But Northampton, the Cambridge keeper had a blind as well. So we were quite unlucky, you know, keepers were playing well, bit of poor finishing and lapses in defence, which which ended up being kind of of a pattern into the season. But, oh, great point there, you know. You know, Cambridge, what, Wickham, 
Northampton gets Carlisle teams in the top half top of the table half, yeah. I would say yeah. that's where we really struggled this season so we finished September in 5th place having played 10 we'd still won 5 but now we'd drawn 3 and lost 2 uh, our goals for were 17 goals against it increased significantly to 12 um, so we were on uh, 18 points at that time still so. good position to be in though Perf- yeah absolutely really good, really yeah. good. October started with a 3-1 win over Notts County Sammy Moore scored his first two Orient goals and his second was an absolute belter then a bad defeat away to Crawley where Alan Dunn conceded a penalty and got a red card and it's kind of the start of his kind of downfall I'd say probably in an Orient shirt then we drew to home to Oxford with Scotty Cashkit scoring a last minute equaliser that was a good goal Great goal, and a yeah. great point, point rescued. And then yeah. one all to Luton, beat Morecambe one them away, where Jack Payne got a good decent goal, and that was around the time of episode fifty. Um, yeah. But we finished them off losing at home one all to Atkinson Stanley, who came and they played really well. They they looked as, as you know a much better team than us. And I think that's when Surprising. I started thinking maybe this isn't going to be the walkover that that I expected. And it was also the start of a minority of fans starting to turn on the hand, and where you kind of got the first impression that the wars were maybe starting to fall off. Yeah, absolutely. So league position, we dropped to seventh. Uh, now we played 16, won seven, drawn five, lost four. Uh, we got 26 points. So we would have been third if we'd have beaten Accrington Stanley, so which al- says all you need to know. So really. already at that point, it was already looking like the, no team was going to run away with it. It was going to be a very tight league. And it, it yeah. each draw, we were kind of not really losing any ground on the leaders, but weren't really gaining any ground either. Yeah, I think we were matching teams around us yeah. point for point almost. So where someone drew, if we'd have won, we'd have leapfrogged and yeah. it just didn't happen. So November started with a 6-1 win over Staines in the FA Cup. Dean Cox scored two goals. Uh, but that unfortunately turned out to be his last game of the season because he damaged uh, one of the main ligaments in his knee. I think it was the anterior it was like the answer of the media, yeah. one of the two uh, in training. Um, we lost 3-1 away to Hartlepool uh, in front of the Sky TV cameras, um, which obviously heaped more pressure on Ian Hendon. Um, and then on the way home from there, obviously it broke that the team were forced to, because that was on a Sunday, so that was that broke that the team were forced to stay at the Marriott, Marriott. Hotel, the four-star Marriott Hotel um, in, in Waltham Abbey. Um, as some sort of punishment is what I think it's been billed as um, but yeah so we called it Hotel Gate um, and then we just about beat bottom of the table York at home 3-2 with Envoto making his debut uh, and Joby um, coming off the bench and being involved in the first team for the first time that season yep. so obviously as you'll cast your minds back he wasn't in or around the squad uh, first team um, match day for all of August, September and October. I think that was free and Hendon. I think that was the turning point because McEnough wasn't in the squad, not of his decision. Mm-hmm. And then obviously with the, the farcical situation of the team having to go to the hotel for, for so many days or whatever it was, I think he just got to the point where he thought, right, well, I'm, I'm on a hide into nothing here and whatever I do isn't going to be good enough. So... And obviously some of the things he did weren't good enough, you know, some of his recruitment and some of his media stuff. But nevertheless, the team was doing okay. Um, and I think it just got to the point where he thought, right, well, I want, I'm going to play Joby McEnough and sort of defied, you know, the, the instructions or certainly requested permission for the instructions to change. And then, um, you know, it, it probably had a positive effect because McEnough did obviously come in and, and, and do quite well. But mm. I think that was really the beginning of the end for Ian Hendon around that time yeah the coincidence I don't know if it's so much of a coincidence but the report at the time was that it was an FFP issue and if he had McEnough in 
that it would have caused a problem for the financial fair play. So yeah. Cox got injured, so his salary was being covered by insurance, which meant that Joby could come in. No, who, who told you that? I can't remember Mate, where I went. So much, no, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the insur- no, you... Something, so, I read somewhere something like something along those sorts no, the of lines. No, the contracted wages all count towards the, the salary cost management protocol and that's it, whether the player's fit or injured. So if a player gets injured, just the bottom line, Ma- Mackinoff wasn't playing on the instructions from above because he'd been unable to negotiate a payoff the previous summer. Yeah. And that's right, because he went to the, right. the team photo, didn't he? Yeah, and he was told to the do team one photo he, he whilst he was in yeah. his kit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's a great shout. Yeah, yeah. Disgusting. He got treated really badly, but he still kept his professionalism. He didn't come he did. out complaining. Absolute first class pro. Never leaked anything yeah. to anyone. There was yeah. no rumours or murmurs or yeah, I mean, noise it, coming from his direction at all. If that was other players in the squad, you know, probably wouldn't have played for Orient again. You know, not, not every player, but there would have been some players who yeah. just said, "Right, so yeah. Yeah. absolutely, I'll take my my wages and I'll train Monday to Friday and I'll go home and I'll." And bear in mind, he was training with the youth thing for part of the time. You know, thirty-five-year-old yeah. ex-Premier League captain. Yeah. In League Two, training with the youth team, putting in hundred percent degrading. It's unreal, isn't it? I want to add to what, what Matt was saying there that how professional Joby was because even though he was working with the the youngsters, you know, even on a Saturday, he'd come in and encourage and help, you know. So it's quite significant that you know we lost Dean Cox, right, which was quite an influence, and then Joby came in and things started to sort of turn the light, yeah. you know. So the two significant areas, right. Certainly affected us. Yeah. In in you know what happened for our season really. Yeah, I mean I think there's certain certain things that have happened that you look at the season and you go right that was a turning point. And yeah. I think Dean Cox's injury Massive. was definitely yeah. one because he, he was like the well, main maker. And McCallum had had a good pre-season, a good start to the season. He was a big miss, I think. Yeah, yeah and he was linking up really well with Simpson. It was always yeah. Simpson McCallum. They were just starting to understand mm-hmm. each other's game. And yeah. And that really kind of did put us behind because at that point we did, we didn't really have that much strength and depth up front. Mm-hmm. I think we had Ollie Palmer. In cash gear at that point, yeah, we did. And I think that's, I think that's when um, Ian Hendon needed just that, that sort of time to get it right, but wasn't given, right. you know, enough. Wasn't time given enough support. Yeah, yeah okay. wasn't given the support that he needs. Yeah. To do that, you know, sometimes you just need a bit of breathing space to turn it around. I think I think it didn't help him. This is going to sound stupid, but because he hit the ground running so quickly, so well in August, yeah. it doesn't that the expectation no, 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 from all no, the fans suddenly right. went from being right. all right, we'll start off and we'll yeah, bring to, oh, we'll to going bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He started too well. He started he too well for his own good. Yeah. 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 And that's the yeah. problem. Yeah. So just to finish off November, then Plymouth away, Jay Simpson scored an utter scorcher, and the month ends with a frustrating one all draw at home to Wimbledon. Ollie Palmer getting sent off for two. Two silly bookable fences, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, Plymouth Wimbledon. Just to say again, two teams in the playoff zone where we drew, and at the time it looked like they were pretty poor results. But actually, looking back on reflection, you go, well, significant results. In yeah, the end, in the end, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. So we finished that month of November in eighth place, having now played twenty games, won eight, drew seven, lost five, and our goal difference uh, was plus five, and we were on thirty-one, thirty-one points at that time, just outside the automatic playoff places by a point. But we were no, more, more importantly, having been top for over a month, we were now nine points off the playoff places. 
So, automatic places. Automatic. Yeah. Sorry, the automatic place. I beg your pardon. Yep, yeah, so that leads on to December. So it started with a nil-nil home draw to Scunthorpe in the FA Cup, where we really should have beat them. I think we wasted a few decent chances there. Yeah, they should have been put to bed. Yeah, Joby McEnough made a long-awaited first start of the season, and then in the draw, obviously, it was Chelsea away, so loads to play for in the replay, which made it a much more high-profile game than what it would have been. And then we drew one all away with Mansfield, where Jay Simpson scored another header. And at this week, Jay Simpson was scoring pretty much every week, at least a goal, maybe a double in some games. <coughs> Then we had Scunthorpe in the replay. We got absolutely hammered 3 0. I think it was 0 0 at half time. And the second half, we got absolutely don't what, tonked. Don't know what you said to him in the half time team talk. Nah, but no, but. No idea. That was, I think that was you know, another big loss for Hendon. I think after that game, our Twitter account went mental with people moaning about the performance and the tactics and the team selection. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes really when the draw is done in advance, it doesn't always help, help because no. obviously if that, you know, Chelsea away is a game everybody would have wel- welcomed, the club would have made a lot of money out of it, fans yeah. would have had a great day out and so that just amplifies the pressure for, 100%. for that replay. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if that replay, if it wasn't Chelsea away, Scunthorpe would have got about 2,000 in yeah, that ground, yeah, but as it stands, yeah. we took quite a lot yeah. down there, Scunthorpe packed it out. To add to what Matt was saying, I mean, you know, we should have really put the game to bed in the first one because we had more chances. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, we were the better side, Yeah, easily. You know, for, for that 90 minutes, we probably had 75% of that game, Yep. to be fair. Yeah, really. I agree. And that's needed to put the ball in the back of the net. And we did that, everything but that. Yeah, and it was a nothing game to come yeah, to at that yeah. point. I think they brought like yeah, 200 yeah. fans down. It was, yeah. it was like empty. What but... saying, and all of a sudden, you get the draw, right? So the winners of Chelsea, you know, all of a sudden the game raises a profile, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, absolutely. So after that game, we drew one or home to Yeovil. Remembered for the lights on the phone when everyone turned their phone protest. lights on and mm. were in the protest, yeah. Um, and also remembered for Joby McEnough, superb goal. Uh, one of the goals of the season, mm. which led on to Boxing Day where we beat Portsmouth 3 2. And that game will be remembered for obviously. The wrong reason. The wrong reason where Francesco Vichetti went and gave Andy Hessenthaler a nice kick up the tuckers. Um, <laughs> ball during that game got sent off, um, got a red card, uh, and we ended the year with a 2 1 defeat at Bristol Rovers on the 28th of December. We did. Mm. So yeah. a long December, loads of games and some big losses in that. So league position, we were still eighth. Um, we played 24, won nine, drawn nine, lost six, with a goal difference of plus five and 36 points, and at that point, only one point from the playoffs. So Again, all to play for and still around, hovering around that playoff zone. Yeah, absolutely. So then came um, January. Uh, we started the year with a two-all draw. Jay Simpson grabbing a late equaliser at Stevenage. Uh, we then go on to lose 3-1 at home to Exeter City. And after a torrid first half where poor Conor Essam, he had a, it wasn't his best game. Uh, and Baldry was suspended for that game. No, he, he had a real um, tough game. I think Baldry was suspended. I think it was Essam and Voto. Yeah. Exeter just, just kept doing long balls over the top because both Voto and Essam were quite slow. And they had, I can't remember, they had a pacey forward basically who just ripped us to shreds. And I think it was 3-1 three, three at half time. Yeah. And we it wasn't Tinker absolute... Morrison. So I can't remember the name <laughs> yeah. of the other guy. No, we got absolute... <laughs> absolute... Stop there, wasn't it? Stop there. <laughs> Might have been someone Stop like that. We got absolutely... Stockley. 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 Sorry. Ex- we had on yeah. They just kept pinging over the top and Essam yeah. and them both just couldn't handle it. Um, just didn't deal with it. And I remember Essam got, got turned on the edge of the box as well quite yeah. easily. And so, I mean, that was a running on the wall, you know, after that really. It was the final straw uh, for Francesca Pachetti who gave Ian Hendon his marching orders. Um, Nugent also ended up leaving the club he after that. Enough, Yep, think Kevin that Nugent. Nugent. Yeah, that was the death knell for yeah. him. He'd, he'd yeah. been through all of last season where we'd seen half a dozen managers yeah. and he was still there. And I think yeah, he didn't want it, Nugent just didn't want the instability to carry on because it was just affecting him too much and mm. you can't blame him really. It's no, a shame because you'll never meet a bigger Orient man than Kevin Nugent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. massive shame. 
he gave you know it, for him really it was a difficult period because he he's a hundred percent committed at whatever he does, Kevin. So yeah. you know, I mean, I had the privilege of working with him at youth level, and you know, for me, one of the best coaches I've worked with. And it's telling that he left Orient and literally about a week later, not even probably a week, a couple of days later, walks into another top division, League Two club yeah, in Luton yeah, Town. Yeah, you know. yeah, he's a very, very good coach. Very, very no good. Coincidence. Yeah, so no coincidence. No coincidence there was a club lining up for yeah. him at all. Yeah. And then Kevin Nolan got appointed as player manager, pretty much, uh, you know, unbelievably, I guess. You know, we knew he was training with the club, but ended up coming into player manager. We ended up signing um, Nigel Atangana. Callum Harada Martin on loan and Armand Nandale and in Nolan's first game beat Wickham 2-0 and it all looked like it was going to go breeze even in played Newport at home 1-0 uh, Jay Simpson scored a late penalty and Nolan made his only debut off the bench With um, It's interesting with Atangana and Nandale because Hendon obviously had his, his quite famous list. W- famous list Yeah, and both those players were on it and he yeah. wanted to sign them both and they were signed before Nolan was appointed so didn't sort of it's it weird, was obvious Bacchetti had lost faith in Hendon in the in the transfer market, which you know you can understand because some of the players he brought in last summer didn't didn't deliver. But then when he was asked to present a list of players for January, which he did, was then dismissed because he wasn't to be trusted in the transfer market, and then those players were signed anyway. It's weird. So it's yeah. where it does, doesn't, does, make sense, doesn't does really it? make sense. Doesn't but make I'm sense. not saying they were bad signings or good signings. It's almost academic. The fact is, he wasn't allowed to sign yes. them, but somebody else was. Yeah, it, that's 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 exactly what we were saying at the time. Yeah, so it, it's should... really weird that we're paying fees for a player who's essentially got a few months left on his contract. Well, N- Nangelo could have come in on loan for the rest of the season without a fee to be paid. paid and yeah. Atangana was about to be paid up by Portsmouth. So again, you know, so but we've paid fees for both yeah, of those yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. mental. So it's, Why are we paying fees for yeah. players that have? Yeah, okay, that's mental. But yeah, it, you know, it goes back to I guess poor management from Bichetti. Whereas you know, you either stick with Hendon and get his signings in, or you don't stick with him, but then don't follow up. His don't signings. follow up his signings. Yeah, but I'm pleased we did follow up with um, Atangana because I like him. Yeah, I, I think Atangana's done very well. Midfield. It's kind of a Vince Lowe character who would be mm, missing. That's yeah. it. You know, that's one of probably Hendon's main kind of weakness whereas they seem to just got behind our midfield too easily in front of our defence and there was no one like the Vince Lowe or you know, someone the, to... the thing about a manager the strength of a manager is his recruitment that, that's that's the strength of a good manager and you know in, in Ian Hendon right his recruitment is very good but he wasn't given enough time to exercise it Yeah, you know and that's where the battle was because if you look at the list that was more or less his list anyway as Matt was saying so it's quite sad really that you know, that period wasn't given, you know, after the Exeter game, it just seemed like that was the nail in the coffin, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not sure all the summer signings were, were of the right ilk, though. You know, is that I a think budgetary that thing, though? Potentially. potentially, yeah, potentially, yeah, but I think some of the, some of them, and without knowing everything that went on, but still some, some bits, I think some of the players that were brought in were brought in because it, there was some familiarity with them rather than yes, necessarily yeah, that they were, okay. they were the right players. But again, you're right, you know, the budget is obviously smaller now, so yeah. there were players who had to fit into that. Yeah, and he had to dip into non-league a lot, didn't he? He had to go, Fraser yeah. Shaw was di- mm. non-league. McCallum, Essen. Essen, McCallum I think was on a free. West Ham, he'd just been released. West Ham, yeah, West Ham, Blair so Turgut. You know, we're Turgut, not talking yeah. big money, but you're talking, yeah. you had Cox, Baldry, um, obviously Chisak wasn't going to be cheap, Jay Simpson wasn't cheap, uh, if I mention McEnough. You know, you've got some sort of big, heavy wage bills there, and our understanding that we heard at the time was, was that the budget had been slashed back to League 2 budgets, yeah. and he he put in a lot of money in League 1, 
had failed and now he was going to run it more more like a professional thing rather than just throwing money at it. And that's why he's kind of plugging... Well, that's what we understood at the time. Whether that's really happened or not, who knows? But that's what... That's what we were we were told at the time. Yep, so January came to a close with Nolan's first defeat. It was a 3-1 home defeat to Cambridge with a, a terrible defensive performance. And all honesty, Shaw made a howl of a mistake for the first goal. And then Essam got done again for the second and third. And I think that was the last time we saw Essam in an Orient show. He got absolutely uh, the run around by, again, another pacey forward. Also in January, Nicky Hunt signed before the Cambridge match from Mansfield. And Sean Brisley was bought in on loan from Peterborough. So he finished a month in ninth in the League 2, played 29, won 11, drawn 10, lost 8, goal difference of plus 4 and on 43 points. So at that point, the playoff positions were still very cramped and one wing, you know, was still changing, always changing on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. Interesting, Nicky Hunt was signed on a six-month with a 12-month option, I believe, but we paid a fee for that. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you, you could see the quotes captain. from the Mansfield manager at the time about how they... they, they if you read what he said when they let him go because they'd signed him on a free from Accrington the previous summer and I think he was doing very well for them but he basically said look we've been offered some money for a fullback which with the greatest respect isn't the sexiest position on the pitch you know Mm. you don't generally at lower league level pay for a fullback you know so um, apologies to Matt Lockwood there I'm sure he's (laughs) but at the end of the day the fee's been paid for a 30 plus fullback from who'd been a free transfer from yeah. the bottom division six yeah. months earlier, you know, which is fine because Nicky Hump's an experienced player and he obviously came in to help Kevin Nolan. I can see why he came in. Yeah. But it's, it's slightly out of kilter transfer policy, you know, with, with budgets being cut elsewhere. You know? So yeah. say, say in your day then, say Slade... No, no, we never paid fees, remember. We just wouldn't pay a fee. <laughs> <laughs> but, say, but say you had the money and Slade comes yeah, to you yeah, and goes, yeah. Matt, no, we, I've yeah, got a right yeah, back who, yeah. who I really want. He was signed on a free transfer... Earlier in the summer, Listen, if Russell had come and said he had a milkman who we thought would have improved the team, we'd have signed him. It's about trust. You trust. Yeah. It's about trust. Yeah. You trust your manager to improve the team. If he does that within the budget that you make available to him, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. We, we were quite, Listen, we joke about not spending a fee. We did spend fees when, um, when we needed to. It just so happens that at lower league level, you don't generally need to, to pay a fee. Most players are on short contracts. They're invariably out of contract every summer. There's hundreds of players mm-hmm. out of contract. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other players who are still under contract... Their clubs might not be in, in the greatest financial health, so they're quite happy to, to offload them to you. Yeah, you know, with the, the bill, with the right yeah. bit of negotiation, yeah. you can. You sometimes we, we would sign a lot of players up for free, but we might have a clause to say if we get promoted, we'll give you ten grand, twenty grand, whatever. If uh, if we sell him on, you'll get twenty five percent. You know, th- there's ways of of doing it rather than just sort of writing a check for the first fee that was quoted. And unfortunately for Orient, they're in a bit of a position now where people know they will write That's a check. Money. Yeah. So it's, so the negotiations are generally, you know. It's interesting what Matt's saying. You see, that's understanding. That's understanding yeah, how it works. works you know, yeah, because yeah. you know you can have loads and loads of money. Go in a shop, spend it, and come out there, and you haven't got nothing in your grocery bag, have you? Really, and that's the difference with yeah. how Barry and Matt dealt with what was the structure of the club. They weren't going to go and spend unnecessary sums of money, right? They were going. You know, there was a budget, and they would work within that budget. But the idea is to produce within that budget. You know, and what we've had is we've had two years of just throwing money the first year, not working, then deciding, right, we're just going to not put as much money in yeah. as we did before, yeah. but not enough money to make things happen. Yeah. You know, and that's where the problem is. It's the divide, really. And I think that's where Matt's job was so key because he, he also, being an Orient supporter as well as doing the job that he does, 
right? He's, he was passionate about getting it right. You know, so... But you want, do you know what it yeah. is? Uh, sometimes as well, you're dead right with all of that, but mm. you want to win when yeah. you're negotiating with someone. Yeah. As much as the players want to win on a Saturday, I want yeah. to win when I'm negotiating with another chief exec for a player. I want him to be gutted when he's done the deal with me. That's what it was like, yeah. you know? And then, and then you'd play him again, you go, oh, thanks for him, he's great, yeah. him. cheers for that, you know? And, and, and they'd be <laughs> devastated, you know? You, it, 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 was, it, it did become a battle, yeah, because ultimately we didn't want to waste any money. We didn't mind spending money, we just didn't want to waste any money. And I'm not suggesting that any of these players have been wasted I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't suggest that at all but there were better deals that could have been done mm. for, for them you know yeah. anyway so moving on to February start that with a 1-0 win away at Portsmouth in front of 1,031 away fans uh, I think I was the one um, with Grizzly and Hunt making their debuts um, absolutely fantastic game um, with Joby's um, contender for goal of the season yeah. in that uh, in that game uh, we then get hammered 4-0 at home to Northampton um, after it being 0-0 at half time that was a strange game um, I mean at that point Northampton was starting to run away but a little bit and they yeah. came and they they were the, the it, it was half time, second yeah. half I mean, hey, listen, when, you, when, players, when the opposition centre half scores an overhead kick against you oh, you just yeah. stand and applaud and <laughs> you just take it. it you just take yeah. it you know? got yeah, kick well, and, and yeah. Matty Holmes scored another he won their goal of the season yeah. last Did week Ricky Holmes yeah. Yeah. so Ricky Holmes he cold running in from outside the box that won their goal of the season and they scored some good goals for me personally right that was probably the best team that I saw come to Orion and do a job on us yeah. Right. I mean, first 45 minutes, right, it was settling in, settling in period. Yeah. They came out like a Usain Bolt, and yeah. we just couldn't live with them in the second half. They stepped up you know, gear, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. we mean, didn't. The, the 4-0, to be fair, I think flattered us. Yeah. You know, because the way that they played in the second half, they could have scored a lot more. And they looked fitter as well. So yeah. I, yeah. We came out, we looked knackered yeah. with about 15 minutes gone, yeah. and they looked like they were getting fitter. Just... They, they looked as if they were two yards ahead of us at every single time. They pressed when they didn't have the ball. Right, they you know, when when they had the ball, right, we couldn't we couldn't stay with them. Yeah, they moved forward uh, in yeah, numbers yeah, and defended yeah. in numbers. Yeah, it's but, not a difficult game to play. No. If your work <laughs> ethic is there, it's not a difficult game. So then we had Notts County away and we won 1-0 thanks to a Sean Brisley effort. Uh, we then went and beat Crawley 2-0 with a Nandalay double. So two back-to-back, or sorry, a back-to-back win in February yeah. and did that. Nandalay's first goal that day was superb. Mm-hmm. Long ball, chested it down and caught the ball sweetly. Mm-hmm. On the volley, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah, there starting to be some good performances there. We were starting to look hard to beat and that was the main thing. The main change from Hendon to Nolan was under Nolan. He made that defence work much harder, and we look, we were looking like much harder to beat. Like, we changed the personnel. Yes, back as well. Yeah, yeah it was almost like a defensive. It's almost like a different yeah. back in four. Atangana, and we had a striker who, who who had some good ability as well. You yeah. know, McCallum was was obviously still out. So we ended February in seventh. We'd now played thir- uh, thirty three games, won fourteen, drawn ten, lost nine, and we'd accumulated fifty two points. So we certainly weren't getting relegated, but uh, our goal difference had taken a bit of a drub in, and we only had four plus four yep. to our name. So it was re- still really quite tight at the top. Um, and it could all change and we were level on points with Wickham and Portsmouth who were in 6th and 5th place respectively but uh, they had a game in hand over us so really really tight and congested around that part of the table yeah, still and in March it uh, started with a 2 all uh, away draw at Carlisle on a Tuesday night Oli Palmer done well got a good equalising goal there did. then we lost at home 1-0 to Luton uh, following a defensive error from Brisley but their man took their goal really well Lob Chizak 
Uh, and went away to Oxford for the first time since that day 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, we'll speak about that a bit later, Matt. Um, uh, and we won 1-0 on a really good performance again. Hard to beat. And Joby McEnough again came up with a quite vital goal. Just going back to the, uh, the uh, Luton game, if, if you remember, that was the, the game where we had um, Dick Kevin Deardo and Nuge. Uh, Nuge coming back. right? And I think how they set the team up right, was probably very similar to how Nuge would have set the Orient team up to go out and play. And I just think we we kind of missed a, a, a trick on that one, really. You know, we didn't yeah. we didn't do our homework properly on that one for me. That's that's Spot. exactly the point. They did yeah. their Nugent knew the players yeah. Yeah. pretty much eight out of eleven. He'd have known yeah. and he'd have known their strengths and weaknesses, yeah. and he set yeah. the team up accordingly. Yeah. If you look, if you look at how that game was won, that's how they won the game. Yeah, and I think Nugent sat down and he and he sort of just fine toothed it for me, really. You know. Yeah. Was it a surprise? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we just went to sleep when we needed to be awake yeah. for certain things. You know, I mean, the, you know, the defender didn't sort of pick up on it, did he? No, yeah, so, poor goal to concede, and yeah, then, so, then they just shut up shop. They're yeah. quite physical, and we can really get get around the back. Scott, Scott Cuthbert, Cuthbert, man of the match. Yeah, right? getting yeah, in the yeah, 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 shouting yeah. at everyone. He made a fantastic diving, headed clearance for about seventy five minutes with a great ball, and he just launched himself in like like Scott, what, Scott Cuthbert. We all know and love. Yeah, what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he know. does very well. Yeah. yeah. And then Morecambe came and we beat them one at home. And this is when we started to miss a few penalties. So their keeper got sent off really early in the game. Jay Simpson stepped up and their keeper saved it. And then we absolutely battered them. And it took an own goal mm. from them in the 80th minute where uh, Benon Williams got, got more wide, crossed mm. the ball in. And you know at that point, we were back in the playoffs. And then we were kind of to a busy Easter period, mm. all to play for. It's interesting that you bring up the penalty issue. Because if you go back to the Exeter game where um, Endo got... Oh yeah, yeah. Right. we missed two pens in that game, didn't we? Oh, that was right. Simpson missed two. two yeah. we, we haven't had a proper penalty taker since Matt Lockwood. Exactly, and that's true. That cost yeah. us promotion that year two years ago, and yeah. cost us another four, five, six goals this year as well. It's, yeah. it's, it, anyone can score a penalty, and anyone can miss a penalty. But yeah. to have a player who you know all the time, you can put the ball in their hand, they're going to step yeah. up and score a penalty. You know, the amount of times we used to have to change penalty taker because someone people lose their confidence over yeah. it, or you know, the crowd don't want to see them take one and. Yeah. It's it's a it's probably a skill that isn't given enough um, enough focus really. Okay, no. people talk about have you practiced penalties ahead of a cup tie? Mm. But is somebody practicing penalties during the week? Yeah, Matt Lockwood exactly. used to practice yeah. penalties during the week. Did he? he? Well, yeah. I mean, how many? I mean, he, 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 he a left back. He scored forty nine goals for the club or whatever, he? and I think yeah. he missed one. He, uh, yeah. he scored the rebound. You know, I think when we spoke to Russ, when we interviewed Russ, we asked him about penalties. I think he said he didn't. It was very vague, wasn't yeah, it? I yeah, that he, answer, didn't, yeah. he didn't really yeah. commit to saying they had yeah. practiced penalties. No, he said <laughs> you can't recreate that. But he was saying you can't recreate that atmosphere. You can't recreate training ground. You can do. You can't, but you can't recreate the atmosphere of any part of a football match. So what you just not train at all, you know? But how critical is it? Because you know the fact that we miss so many penalties, right? You know, in the season, actually affected us in the end, didn't it? Well, six yeah. points, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah. And it cost us a promotion. Yeah. yeah, as Matt quite rightly pointed out. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so the busy Easter period. Unfortunately, I think this was a key point here. We lost Joby McEnough, who went away on international duty, and CJM and CJM. I think Joby was a massive loss. Uh, so we had Atkinson away on Good Friday. Um, which I remember saying, if we win that, we'll finish third, and I was that confident that would happen. Yeah, you did. Um, but it was quite a bold statement. Oh, you well. said if you do, if we win that game, you I said did. we'll go up. Stupid statement in hindsight from me. Um, <laughs> Put the block on it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So we lost that one 0 It was a tight game, but one opportunity for them, and, and their man took it. And then Easter Monday, 
Um, we lost 2-0 at home to Hartlepool and what was a pretty shocking performance that day they just outfought us and seemed like they wanted it more so mm. we finished March in 8th position uh, played 38 won 16 drawn 11 lost 12 59 points with a goal difference of 3 so at that point we were 2 points off the playoffs but again it was all changing 6th and 7th were still changing on a, on a game by game basis games were all tight you know there was a 1-0 win or a, you know a, a draw here and a win there it was all all really tight. So we move into April and that started off with a one-all draw at relegation threatened York. Uh, then a terrible 3-0 defeat away away to Barnet, which turns out to be Kevin Nolan's last game in charge. He'd only played 50, he'd only been in charge of 15 games with a f- roughly 47% win rate. Most successful Orient manager of all time. Yeah. <laughs> 47% for that, win for that rate. Percentage yeah. win yeah. rate. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah. It? Okay, slightly facetious comment. I know it was a short period of time. But, but he's won seven rate, out of fifteen. He's won seven out of fifteen. Yeah. He actually won seven out of eleven. Mm. Yeah, and then he lost four in a row. Yeah, but, but I mean, look at look at York away, and I think York was struggling, and we needed the playoffs, and I think and we, we just didn't scrape turn up, the draw. Didn't yeah. turn up, and that's what people question the heart yeah. of this I think thing, Kevin, the leadership I, I, of the team. It wouldn't surprise me if we had this conversation again in two years' time, and Kevin Nolan had just taken another team to promotion as a manager. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Yeah. He's yes. come across yes. to me. He is yes. such an impressive individual. He was a great player. He's got a really good football brain. He understands everything that goes on around the team, you know, to do with the academy, to do with the sports yeah. science side, the training ground, pre-season, recruitment, mm-hmm. all of that side of things. And I think, however his appointment came about, it was a fantastic appointment. Massive. And Massive. It, it could have, t- I, I genuinely believe it could have taken this, this club forward. And I wanna, I, I the fact that it's not going to be able yeah. to is a real shame. Yeah. I want to add to yeah. what Matt's saying there because, you know, for, I mean, I've been in the club 20 years, right? And, you know, um, Kevin Noland, you know, Andy Esseltine, for me, right, they came in around the youth players. They knew every single youth player by name. They knew their weaknesses, their strength. Listen, top draw to him because he was prepared between those two, Andy Edwards, right, um, you know, uh, Richard Thomas, right, and um, Webby, right, to give the young ones are charms. Yeah. Right? And at uh, Bar- Barnick, Roma came on, made yeah, his debut, didn't Yeah, he? you need a manager who's prepared to do it. And I mean, listen, Lee Harrison, for me, right, you know, top, top goalkeeper coach, right, we have three goalkeepers that are out on England training, right, through the work that he's helped progressing them with, and then you get rid of him. Madness, right? isn't it? Doesn't make sense. Madness. And again, I guess in this replacement, I mean, it's Rob Gagliardi again with someone with very little experience, not got the same level anywhere no, near as he has, and that's when you start thinking, what, what's going on here? Rob Gagliardi, who, when uh, Bichetti took over the club, we had a meeting, um, and there was a guy in the meeting who was going to be director of football at the time, I, don't, I can't remember his name, he was an old Italian fella, and he didn't speak English, and, and Rob Gagliardi was in the meeting with Russ and myself, and we said, well, you know, who are you, what's your role? He said, oh, I'm, my name's Rob, uh, I'm the translator. Oh, okay. So you're going to be doing any of the coaching, or are you going to be involved in it? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just the translator. I'm not qualified to coach at this level. <laughs> Outrageous. Oh. Outrageous. <laughs> right. So, so as bad as Barnett was, I think we all pretty much agreed in this room, hundred percent, as probably ninety-five percent of Orient fans are. Where Kevin Nolan let go far too early. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, and a shocking decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he should have stayed. Yeah, he, he should have stayed. stayed. And yeah. then, as as Errol said earlier, Lee Harrison is dismissed. And he's replaced by the guy that's just there to translate, Rob Gagliardi. 
Uh, we then went on and beat Dagenham and Redbridge 3-2, just about. We went 1-0 up. They then scored two goals in very no, quick we, succession. We were 2-0 up at half-time. Oh, sorry, in the game. They, they pulled it back. They got two goals in a minute. Pulled it back. 59-60. And then Nandalay nicked scored. a goal and he yeah. cut his ear to the North Stand because he'd be getting a bit yeah. of chip. Um, so that, also, that game remembered for the protests in the seventh minute. So some, some supporters from Loft. from Loft turned up late, missed the first goal. Um, but obviously... Yeah, is what it is. Uh, We then lose 2-1 at home to Plymouth, making the playoffs almost impossible for us. Um, That is then confirmed with a 1-0 away loss to playoff rivals Wimbledon. So those two two games, the Plymouth at home game was a big game. I think it was 3-1 in the end. I think we made a mistake there. But we got Plymouth. Plymouth done their homework on us and they said just put balls in the box. So both set pieces, the first two set pieces to the back post, their man one mark. And really we need to go to Wimbledon and see a big performance. But the most disappointing thing about the Wimbledon away defeat was that I think Nandel had one shot and goal and that was it. And that was a must-win game to save the season. Yeah. And again, they just didn't really turn up and, you know, looked like they really knew what they were doing and wanted to be there. It was a bit of a strange, strange performance, think, that one. I think after the Nolan departure, there was a lot of... Um, I don't know if it's, you'd just say the stuffing was just taken out of them. I think the lads yeah. were just confused and dis, disillusioned mm. and things like that. And it was very hard for them to then go and yeah. lift themselves. You know, I think Andy Hessenthal is a great coach and probably a really good motivator as well. Mm. But I just think that nobody really sort of, nobody was going, nobody was, 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 had any sort of assurance about stability or yeah. the future, did they? And it was just too much of uh, messing with their minds. You yeah, know? there's a lot. It was too much off the field in uh, affecting what was going on on the field. And it was and, and it was bound to sort of creep onto the pitch, unfortunately, yeah. because you know with all of what's going going on off the pitch, it's going to affect you know even the strongest of characters, mm. and and that's that's what's sad about it because you know you cannot fault the effort that and the and the and and. Kevin Nolan and the backroom staff put in mm. right to motivate and get those players out there to perform. You yeah. know, so it's difficult. It's difficult to sort of go out there and, and play your football with the things mm. going off off, off the scene. Off the, yeah. off the scene, you know. Yeah. So uh, to end the month, April, uh, final home game of the season was a one 0 win um, with Aaron Pollock and Sandro Semedo making their debuts. That was a home win against Mansfield. Errol, what, sorry to get in there. Sandro Samedo and Alan Pollock, obviously, I'm, you've come in through yeah, now. I mean, very proud of those two, right? Because, you know, one thing we've always, you know, Matt will vouch for me on that one, that it's a club that, you know, for we always want to encourage and help the young ones coming through mm. the system. You know, and at Leighton Orient, when you sign at Leighton Orient, you've got a chance of making and playing in yeah. the first team. Do you, know, do you know what? I was really, really pleased to see Sandro Samedo make his debut. I already mentioned earlier how good I thought Pollock was. But mm. with Samedo, he, he actually came to the club from the community programme. He was part of the development squad, which was a, a, something we set up about four or five years ago. And was the original reason Miguel de Souza was brought to the club to look yeah. after that, that development squad. Mm. And it's basically a, a system where 16 to 18-year-olds can do education alongside football. So you're not quite good enough to be given a scholarship, but it's almost like a reserve team for the youth team. You know, you might be good enough. So you're going to do a bit of college as well give you a backdrop uh, a fallback rather but you're also going to play football and and Sandro come from Portugal and he'd been registered with a club in Portugal who'd gone bankrupt and bizarrely under the way Portuguese football works that meant his registration had defaulted to the Portuguese FA who wanted a fee for him and it was bizarre to think that we're going to pay an FA for a 16 year old sort of like human trafficking type scenario you know it's just really weird so it, his agent was actually very very good um, and 
we, we negotiated that we were able to take over his registration without paying a fee. Um, and he came across full time to the club from the uh, from the development squad, which was you know really showed the vindication for us to to start that development squad in the first place, and and the community program as well to put a lot of effort into it. Howard and and the guys over the, over the road at the score centre. So um, uh, that was that was really good to see him come through and actually play in the first team. You know that yeah, was it really just showed that the system can work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we finished April in ninth. We've now played 45 games, winning 18, drawing 12, losing 15. Uh, we were on 66 points with a goal difference of minus two. Yeah, leading on to May, just the one game in May. Uh, ended the season with a 1-0 way win to Yeovil. Oli Palmer getting his second goal in two games. And Sam Sargent making his debut in goal. So obviously yeah. Sam Sar- Sargent, very highly rated, trained with the England yeah. um, set, up. set up. So yeah. hopeful, you know... Him, Granger, Chizak got some good keepers. Good goalkeeping conveyor belt, haven't we, at the club? Excellent, yeah, yeah, very good. I mean, you look at you, you look at Charlie Granger and, and Sam Sargent as youngsters. You know, it, it's very proud for us in the club that you know they they get the opportunity. And this is why I'm saying, you know, the likes of Lee Harris, right? What he, you know, his help in encouraging them and working with them to push them on towards the first team is brilliant. You yeah, know, but credit has to go to to the, uh, you know. Andy Edwards, Richard Thomas, and Danny Webb, because yeah. you know, you know, we have got a conveyor belt of good young players in the club. Yeah, it's great to see them coming through, and obviously yeah. they smashed their league. I think we we'll yeah. mentioned it a bit yeah, later on. But they were yeah. unbeaten. Yeah. So it's quite funny actually, because I feel a bit sorry for Andy, because obviously Danny, that was when Danny Webb was in charge Char- of the team, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. I saw Andy after the Mansfield game, and he's been getting some stick over this. Because oh, obviously, yeah, yeah. he's been head of youth yeah. for a good few years now, and doing a great job, and all yeah. of a sudden he's moved up to the moved first up, team, yeah, and now yeah. they can't even concede a goal, let alone yeah. lose a game. But, <laughs> but you know what? We we we, we still credit. We you know, and for me working with the youth firm, Andy's my boss. Right, and you know he's part of you know the cement that puts things together, really. Yeah. But you know, right the way through the system, Miguel. You know, we've got great coaches in there that you know, w- w- with a young player that comes into the club, that's the chances that they've got. You know, you can go to all the other big clubs, right? But the bottom line is, are you going to get anywhere near the first team? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Orion is you know, and the the other great thing I want to stress, right, is that. The supporters, the supporters get behind the youngsters, right? They encourage them, and you know everything that you know. Listen, they're going to have a rocky period, mm. right, in in the game, but the supporters help them and they get through it. So, yeah. credit to our supporters for that as well. We've always done that in the club, always. Yeah, yeah. It was a shame, shame to see um, <coughs> Sam Ling being released. I think he was Agreed. one who, who you know mm. did maybe didn't push on as much in his final year, but I think will go on to have a career elsewhere. But nevertheless, yeah. there's there's a good number of others. You know, Freddie Monker's there yeah. and, and Scott Cashkit as well, yeah. who have, have had little little dabbles in the first team. Yeah. And maybe depending on what happens with the first team budget next year, mm. I'm not saying there'll be a reliance on these kids, but they'll by default they'll get more chances, and that yeah. will only speed their development. Mm. And yeah. you know, obviously, as I said before, with Aaron Pollock, you don't want them to have to go out and play 45 games unless they're an unbelievable talent yeah. who yeah. just comes through and does a Moses Odebejo. But yeah. if they're just going to make progression at a normal pace, then for them, these kids to now go on and play a dozen games next yeah. year and then the year after become regulars would be fantastic for the club. Yeah, be fantastic. Yeah. So, so that's what happened. Yeah. So the league table, we finished eighth in League Two. So just one point, uh, sorry, one place of the playoffs, six points from the playoffs. Played forty six, one nineteen, drawn twelve, 
and lost 15 with 69 points and a goal difference of minus one in the end. So negative goal difference. So Paul, yeah, your views on the season as a whole, then? Well, I think what can what can I say that hasn't really already been said in you know in previous episodes and and probably what's going to be echoed, you know, later on by people's tweets. You know, we said before we sort of came on and and, and started recording that we shouldn't be having to watch AFC Wimbledon lumping balls forward in 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 a playoff game. We should be the ones that are on telly and on paper. Yeah, we should be lumping balls for We should be doing it. We should be watching our team doing that. Yeah. We do it better. We do it, we do it nicer. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll lump it, we'll lump it. But um, I, you know, on paper, you know, our team should be should be top of the league. It was littered with with top top class players, especially at League Two. I mean, I think most of them have cut it in in League One in in, in our yeah. team in in our squad. But you know, I think the players have let themselves down uh, as well as themselves. Um, you know, some of them I don't think hand on heart they could say that they did their utmost and did their best week in week out. They might think they did, but I, I genuinely don't think that hand on heart some some of them can actually say that. Uh, I think the owner and the management, um, not the management as in um, Ian or, or or Kevin, but I think that the management of the club have also got a lot lot to answer for as well. Making the same mistakes as last year, won't learn, won't be told possibly. So. Unfortunately, I'm expecting a little bit more of the same next season, although I do hope I'm wrong. Um, and obviously, you know, injuries to key personnel hasn't really helped, but, you know, there is more to that than, you know, there's more to that that's led to our failure this season. It's not just that we've lost Dean Cox and Paul McCallum, arguably two very vital and important players, but, you know, there's more players. You know, we looked at the back of the programme for Barnet and look at the back of the programme for our last home game at Mansfield. There's twice as many players on there. Yeah. And we've just missed out on, yeah. on the playoffs. And not missed out by, all right, we missed out by a place, but we missed out by six points. When Ian left us, we were two points off. Mm. Yeah. So it's a slight regression. And regression. I'm not saying that Kevin Nolan's at complete fault for that. That's, that's not, I'm not alluding to that at all. It's just we shouldn't be here talking about the season no. that should have been. Yeah. We should be talking about Auto's playoffs at a bare minimum. Yeah, so for me, strange season. Ultimately ended in disappointment. You know, like we said, we started maybe two well, five and five. Uh, wins in the first matches but you know like you've touched upon we lost Cox we lost McCallum and I think those injuries did hit us really hard you know McCallum and Simpson were t- looking really good Cox was just running games with assists and his goals Bichetti again too impatient and getting too involved in footballing affairs which isn't really a job for the chairman uh, and his treatment of Nolan you know was disgraceful you know that's, said that's, that before, that's you know. absolutely spot on you know, it's and disgraceful and I'm sure like Matt said we'll be sitting here two years time and no one will be manager somewhere getting a team out of League 2 or possibly League 1 you know a wonderful season for Jay Simpson I thought he'd done very well um, especially from the start of the season to January he, he found it a bit harder under Nolan he didn't really Nolan didn't play to Jay's strengths um, and actually Zach done really well um, but too many individuals on a consistent basis um, from the defence and as Dave Victor mentioned last week's at times we looked like we lacked fitness and there were multiple times when we played other teams that you know the other teams appeared to want it more and had more heart and had more of a community within that team. So, you know, and also if you name five loanees in a match day squad then you shouldn't really have more than five loanees in in the squad because it's a bit silly. Because you can't play them all. Yeah. Interesting about what you say with Cox. Dean Cox ended up as the highest assisting player in our team with seven assists and he hadn't played since November. Since November, yeah. Tells you what you need to know, really, doesn't it? You know, that's, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. But to end on the positive, I'd say the youth coming through, you know, yeah, did look good. And if agree. we can keep bringing that level forward, you know, it will only mean you know more youth, more youth players, and more income from the club yeah, when those players I, do I move think, on. I think um, for me, really, the most important thing for the club now is okay. You know, we the season it's gone. You know, we we've, we've done the inquest. 
we've got to roll our sleeves up, everyone. Hold that thought. <laughs> Hold that thought, because okay. we're going to ask you what, what needs to happen next. Okay. Shortly. Right. Okay. Sorry so, to interrupt no you, problem. but that is coming. <laughs> so before Errol gives us his views on the season, which we're all looking forward to, um, yeah. we spoke to Dean Cox um, yeah. earlier in the week, so we wanted to get his thoughts on kind of the, his views on the season. And obviously, Dean was a vital player, got injured, so ended up missing most of the season. So quite up to Dean, and here's what he had to say on the season. So we are very kindly joined this evening by Dean Cox. So thank you for joining us, Dean, and giving, giving up your time. No problem, lads. Always a pleasure. So before we just get your uh, your thoughts on the season first, just go on. So obviously a disappointing season for for Orion and kind of be good to get your views on it. Yeah, well obviously it started off all right. Well, better than all right. We've, we started off like a house on fire, to be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, myself, personally, started off all right, I thought. Got a few goals, a few assists, raring to go and, you know, just a couple of months and thought, you know, if we keep, keep, keep this up, keep consistent then then we're bound to for me would have been for the top three to be honest let alone playoffs but um, obviously injury came um, we've had a change in manager uh, it's very difficult I think it's very difficult to implement obviously what Ian wanted at first uh, I thought we we hit the ground running with that and obviously you know, for, for Ian obviously myself and Paul McCallum then uh, had some long-term injuries, which which maybe he may well have wanted to strengthen. Yeah. Maybe a bit more than than what he did. I don't know. But um, then Kev obviously come in and uh, he started off well again. I think it's difficult. I think I, I listened to Dave Victor's uh, comment, which was which was was spot on. I think in the way that he shored up the defence and he did sort of use Joby Mathemus as a sort of build around build around him and obviously Joby was doing really well and then went away on international duty we, we paid the price two games and he come back and obviously at his age without being disrespectful to Joby he come straight in and he, he went and done his calf so injuries did not help us at all to be honest yeah, we had obviously yourself, like you said, you and McCullum, Joby, Lloyd James at points, Sammy Moore points in the season, even even Ball. Yeah, and then and then and Colin yeah, and yeah. they weren't just you know slight strains. Yeah, we're talking you know three, four, five, six weeks, and obviously myself and Paul six months. So no, they weren't injuries that you know you could sort of patch up and, and get on with. To be honest. Yeah, so like like you said, you hit the ground running. You scored some tremendous free kicks. Um, Dagenham and Redbridge away, Northampton away, um, Staines at home, and you were flying assist wise as well. So, how frustrating was it when obviously when you get the injury and you're watching from the sidelines? Yeah, I think that my longest injury has been six weeks, and I was pulling my hair out then. So, it's been, it's been the hardest time of my career for sure to, to, not, to not be able to play. Um, and obviously, sitting in the stands and watching is, is very difficult and, and something that I I really don't want to do again. I lost the voice every week. <laughs> um, shouting from the side. But no, it's frustrating, lads. And, you know, it's, it's horrible to have... I've got so close. Uh, if we had made the playoffs, then uh, it'd be, it looked like that I, I definitely would have been able to have played the second leg. Um, and then, obviously, hopefully I've got to Wembley and I most definitely would have been able to play that. So that... 
you know, I was working, that was my sort of um, set my sights on that and to sort of see it not come to fruition was, was even more hard to take, to be honest, because it's such a long time that you set little targets. You know, first of all, it was just to be able to straighten my leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something um, so simple. So, once I could straighten my leg, then it was, again, then it was to be able to, to jog in a straight line, then it was to sprint, then it was to change direction, and then you're getting closer. So the next one was, was the playoffs, and, you know, coming into work, you know, it's, it's tough going into the gym on your own, and the motivation was, was the playoffs for me, and, and for that to not come to fruition, you know, I'm not going to lie, it, it, it hit me hard and, you know, the, the, the two weeks that obviously we're supposed to be in, I've just been in training and I'm not training for anything, which has been hard to sort of keep myself mentally going, but um, I'm raring to go now and, you know, I'm nearly there, well, I am there, but I'm, I'm making sure, you know, that I can do everything, you know, I was taking free kicks the other day, don't worry, they're, they're on point, man. Really good, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> they're alright I haven't lost it so uh, no it's been it's been a long long time but uh, you know there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel now that's, that's brilliant that's brilliant to hear so obviously most f- footballers who haven't been injured will go and take their pre-season break now so in terms of the summoning so what does that hold for you are you going to have to keep on training or are you going to take yeah not really going to have much of a summer uh, I am in well I say that it's a lie <laughs> <laughs> I'm in I'm in three times a week Um to the end of May but uh, then I get June off but obviously I've still you know the sur- surgeon has said obviously and, and especially the specialist that the the knee strengthening the quads the hamstrings and the calves so I need to keep that up on a regular basis so I will be off in June but I will be going to my own gym every other day and, yeah. and making sure that you know when I come back that you know I'm, re- I'm really ready to go Fantastic! I'm looking forward to, to seeing you back. So, when when does pre-season start for you then, or for, for, for the whole team? <laughs> That's a good question. We haven't got a manager at the moment, <laughs> so, so, so we don't actually know, to be honest, lads. But normally it's around last week of uh, June. Yeah, I'd say so. That or the, the first of July late this year. Um, so yeah, I'm guessing in and around the sort of thirtieth of June. Okay. No, first of June. First of June. No, no, July, no. Uh, about you were right the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, July. Yeah, sorry, lad. That's all right. I'm in. I'm in every day, but it don't really matter. <laughs> but um, yeah, so once we've got a manager in place, I'm sure um, I'd like to think that we we'd, uh, we'd be let know what you know when we're expected to be. In. And obviously going on to next season, and the aim for next season, obviously I know how motivated you are, and we we can all tell that it's obviously going to be promotion and again. Oh yeah, there's no two ways about that. Yeah. Um, we should have done it this year. Bitterly disappointed, and yeah, I mean that's got to be the aim because we're a massive club in this division for sure. Um, and you know, at the awarding, I, I did say that you know we let people down, and we have. It's not been good enough. Far from good enough. Um, performances have not been of a standard that we that we should be carrying out week in week out. So uh, I apologised to the to the room and obviously you know anyone listening it, it wasn't good enough but um, yeah looking to get fit and, and uh, put, put put right you know what we should have done really this year next year clean, um, clean we need a, go again yeah no that's it I think we need a manager as quick as possible 
I think we need stability. I think whoever does come in, he's got to be given time. Um, He needs time to bring in his players. I think if we get him in nice and early, you know, we can start getting the the better players in the transfer window to come to come to us rather than maybe being too late and and having to sort of take what's left. So I'm hoping the chairman works along those sort of lines because I think that, that that will stand us in good stead for the for the start of the season. Yeah, and there's obviously a number of players that are out of contract as well, so you know the new. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, we well. need to nip that mm. in the bud as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, a couple of quick quick fire questions. Then you might need to rack your brain a little bit. What would your goal of the season be? And dare it's I say, you can season. vote for yourself. Uh, I'd have to say it'd have to be uh, Blair's yeah, that's mine. Yeah, Blair, Blair. Yeah, I think Ollie okay. runs down like a madman as he does yeah. down the wing. Passes it to Sammy Moore and obviously a lovely diagonal ball to Sean and flicks it over and, and, and he finishes it off lovely, Blair. So, no, that, that yeah. would definitely be my goal of the season. And your game of the season? Game of the season? Um, it's hard to pick one out, to be honest, lads. <laughs> well, to um, start with, you had, we had Barnet, which we won 2 0. We then yeah, no, that's right. went to Dagenham away Dagenham, where you Dagenham, scored the free kick. Dagenham that was free one. one. was a good one. Then Blair's no, I'd probably goal say was... that because it, it was a local derby and we passed off the pitch, I thought, that day. Yeah. could have been that was a great five or six, really. Do you know what, as well? We had about 45, nearly 50% of that stadium as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the atmosphere was great. It was Amazing. great to score at that, that end. Yeah. So, to Dino, then, just to, yeah. Off, then, just to finish off the interview, you got a message for O's fans over the summer? Yeah, I think, well... I'm, so I'd be patient. I know it's difficult. Yeah. Like I said, we need a manager. I think that's quite clear. Um, and uh, you know, thank you for for the ones that have stuck by us. And maybe we didn't deserve as much as maybe we got. Uh, but um, like I said, we, we need a manager. We need stability. We need the support. Um, it's a big summer for for the football club. I think in general. Like I said, get the manager in place. Then we need to sort out the out of contract as quick as possible because we don't want to be losing good key players like Athens the other years. Um, nip them in the bud and get them signed, get them on board, and then let's get recruiting and and, and form a squad that that's going to challenge for the top three, at least the playoffs. You know, minimum playoffs for me. Um, but definitely, you know, to, to get us out of this division. Um, looking forward to getting back, and you know, I hope everyone turns up and hope that you know, put me injuries behind me, and that, that, that it can be a, a successful and exciting season for everyone. Thank you, Thank Dean. You. That, yeah, we we just hope that everyone comes back. They're healthy, they're fit, and they have a long, long and healthy season as well. And, and that we can obviously push on and be where back where we belong, really. So, thank you very much for your time, matey, and um, have a great summer. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, lad. So those are the thoughts of uh, Dean Cox. I think he touches on quite a few important points there. It's hard to sort of really disagree too much with what he said there, Matt, is it? Yeah, Cox is great and he speaks with his heart and he loves the club, there's no doubt about that. You know, he's, uh, he's just, 
been must have killed him this season, not been able to play and contribute. Because if you look, despite the negativity that's around the team and everything like that, it was still ultimately only a couple of games away from reaching the playoffs, a couple of results away from reaching the playoffs. And you'd like to think with the, the impact that Cox has had over the last three seasons and the stats bear that out, goals and assists, had he been in, involved since November or whenever it was he got injured, yeah. it's more pretty goals, fair to assists, say he would have, he would have got goals. half a dozen assists and mm. half a dozen goals at least, you know, and that would have probably been the difference. So it must tear him apart to have to, um, to, to sit by and watch things not happen when he knows he can he could have done them himself yeah, you know had a positive impact yeah. so um just a few questions really for you Matt and yeah. sort of give us give us your views as well so obviously we're in a similar situation this season as we were last season as, we, as we've already said as as CEO as you're in charge of a football club when do you actually start planning for the following season when when's too early when's too well, late we go into phases really sort of after Christmas after that busy period of games in, uh, over Christmas and the new year then you start to think ahead to next season uh, maybe some of the longer term stuff like groundworks or you know things like that um, then maybe if you know what once you know what division you're going to be in actually to be honest it can help to be, if <laughs> from a you know, if you're stuck in mid-table somewhere and you know you're going to be in the next division, you can get all your plans in place very early, which can be an advantage. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I wouldn't rather be top of the league and whatever, yeah, yeah. but you know, or, or I suppose conversely, if you are top by 10 points or bottom by 10 points, you know what division you're going to be in. So basically, as soon as you know what division you're going to be in, then you start planning. It would have been quite hard for the club this year because they wouldn't have known if they were going to make the playoffs till quite late. Yeah. So you, you can go through the motions and you have two sets of ticket prices in place and you say to, you sit down with the management. Obviously, that might have been tricky because it kept changing, but you know, you would say, well, we'll keep this player if we stay in League Two, but if we go up, he's not going to come with us. Or, you know, di di different bits and pieces. This is who we'll go for if we're in League One. This is who we'll go for in League Two. And it's an ongoing process, really, um, that, that starts in the new year and then kicks in from Easter onwards. You know, by then you should be you should have your pre-season in place. You should know what you're doing with all your contracts, especially with staff, you know, the ones you're going to keep, the ones you're not going to keep. Scholars, you know, you need to make that those decisions with the second years and then pros, you know, with some of the pros, it's obvious, and it, you know, it's a decision that can be made quite early. And um, you try and be fair to the players and let them know as early as you can, or let their agent know. Look, it might be worth you seeing what else is out there for him, or do us a favour and, and keep him happy because there will be something on the table for him. That that kind of thing, you know, you steer it in in the right direction, um, and you, you work on the basis that by by now, nobody's really thinking about you know it goes into shutdown really um until sort of um end of june you know so that the, there needs to be a period of of like a, a genuine off season for people to refocus on the on the next year you know so whilst you're always working on players to bring in and stuff like that um you you want to have everything finalized for next season by now middle of may so you know what you know what you're going to be doing. Who you getting? Yeah, what, so, what sort of money you, you've spent you, you, and what you got. You know, I mean, it's, I think everybody knows. You know, managers have a, a first target, a second target, and a third target. They know the third target's not good enough. The first target's too expensive, and the second target's <laughs> the one they really want. You know, that's a bit of a tried and tested. Um, <laughs> it's interesting model. You know, yeah. and that, that's how it works really. And then, but by now, unless that player's still involved in the playoffs, you, you would have made him an offer, and you would. You would have told him to go away with his missus on holiday and let you know when he comes back, you know, so you can get him signed up uh, as early as possible. Cool. We had loads of other questions, but I think you've pretty much 
ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ、そう。ああ
was it bad? I said, it was terrible, to be honest. And he's like, right, okay, well, we'll have to do it now. So, that, you know, in, in different situations like yeah. that. I remember Geraint Williams, um, we were 3-0 down at half-time at home to Hartlepool. And we'd had no conversation or thought about changing the manager whatsoever. And Barry came back into the boardroom at half-time. He said, bloody hell, that was so bad. He said, we're going to go down if that carries on. He said, well, let's see what happens at full-time. I think we actually got it back to 3-2. But, you know, obviously, we then made... From the most difficult decision to the absolute best decision was, I'm taking all the credit because it was my decision. <laughs> <laughs> was bringing Russell Slade you know, and he kept us up and then took us from strength to strength. So, yeah. you know, it, all manager changes come about in, in different ways. And as I say, the Lingy one was just a sort of, you know, a really sad one for it, for it to have to happen. But they're, they're always the, the big decisions because under the way we ran the club, the manager was the most important person at the football club. Obviously, that isn't the case now. The Italian mentality is different and the head coach, so to speak, is not, not as critical. But for us, it was always managerial uh, decisions that were the most, you know, most important ones. Cool. So we're going to move on to at Speno011's question, who asks, what's been your biggest frustration with LOFC, with Leighton Orient since leaving, and what's your biggest regret? Uh, my biggest regret is that... Um, I was told I would be getting, uh, I would be used for advice and help, and I had a handshake to say I would stay on the board for a year, and uh, would work with the, um, would work with the new regime with with the transition. I was absolutely more than happy to do that, and I, I thought that I was doing that all right during it, the yeah. summer. You know, mm. so my biggest regret is that that wasn't allowed to happen. And my biggest frustration with the club is just to see the way that everything we built up has been sort of systematically unbuilt over the last two years through through poor decision making you know and I'm not talking about who takes corners or inconsequential things like that you know the, the serious stuff that goes on behind the scenes so, mm. yeah cool. cool at Nick Clark hours so some fans myself included think it's best if you stop tweeting the same negative stuff oh, Nick Clark doesn't like me uh, <laughs> I don't know who he is I've never met him but he doesn't like me um, I don't really tweet negative stuff I just tweet the truth and the reason I do that is because <clears throat> I've got enough respect for the fan base to think that they deserve to find out the truth and unfortunately a lot of the time at the moment they're not finding it out direct from the club I mean if he doesn't like what I tweet you can just unfollow me that's quite straightforward but I'm really not getting a lot of negative responses to, to my tweets and if if I ever tweet anything that is deemed to be over emotional or untrue then someone should tell me because I don't think I do Cool at Pandemonium1881 asks, do you regret not wearing a tie to the away game in Knott's Forest? Oh, this, this, story oh, this yeah. used to happen all the time. I don't really wear ties. I don't like wearing them. But some away, some clubs are so traditional. I remember having, at Knott's Forest, I had to sit there in a Knott's Forest tie at Carlisle. I had to wear a Carlisle tie. You can't wear a tie. I'll come into the boardroom if you're not wearing a tie, sir. And it's like, oh, all right, give us a tie then. So yeah, that's just where they, they give you a tie when you turn right, up with like okay, a collar. Okay. Yeah. okay. At Bendy Bollard says, when can we expect the next edition of the Wagon Train? Oh yeah, well, did you know what? I was going through some old stuff, old personal <laughs> stuff the other week and I found some of the original copies. I might bring it back actually, it'd be quite interesting, but I don't know, I think probably a podcast is like a modern fanzine, isn't it? Right, so, yeah. So I was maybe we're saying, doing it now, maybe this is it. Yeah. <laughs> um, just enlighten some people, what, what was Wagon Train? It was the, the fanzine, fanzine that I edited back when I was... Uh, a gobby teenager. Right. <laughs> cool. There you go. So this is a wagon train version 2.0. Um, why were you so on? Um, why were you so insistent on bringing Russell Slade to the O's when others weren't so sure? What inspired? What an inspired move. Um, there was a number of factors with Russ. One was his previous record, which was very good. 
Another one was the fact I'd met him when he'd been an opposition manager at our place and always been really uh, taken by his enthusiasm and his, his knowledge. <clears throat> Uh, the other one was that he was available, which you know is is yeah. yeah is a critical yeah. factor. If someone's not available, it doesn't make any difference. Um, and I just felt that at the time we weren't looking any further forward than the last six games of the season. We had to stay up, and his, Russ's initial contract was just just for that that period. It wasn't anything beyond that, you know. And I thought, right, if we're going to get somebody in who's going to organise us, motivate us, and get the best out of the lads for six games, he really seemed to me to be that sort of person after what he'd done with Brighton the previous year. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, with the exception of that one season where we just avoided relegation, we did improve every single year. So so it did work out. Great move, yeah. At Gooch Dog High Fives says, are you and Lloyd James separated at birth? No, I don't know where that's come from. <laughs> Doug, <laughs> Doug, you've obviously got more important, you should have more important things <laughs> to worry about. Than about that. Like I'm dog. six foot six, Doug. I don't know when the last time you saw, <laughs> saw Lloyd James. He was saying, could you, could you talk us through the winning goal at Oxford in 2006? Oh, you see, he's just bullying me here because I, I missed that goal. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> in all my years of watching <laughs> Orient, oh, it's the one God. goal I've never <laughs> seen. <laughs> It's not my dog. fault, right? It's the fault of 4,500 people because you're all on the far side having a good time celebrating Northampton equalising against Grimsby. Yeah. And we were all sat in the director's <laughs> box on the main stand side, didn't know what was going on. So I said, don't worry, everyone, I'll pop back inside and see what's happened. So I've gone back inside, I've come back out, and Barry oh, and everyone's jumping up and down. Oh, no. And I thought they were just jumping up and down because Northampton had equalised. Yeah. It was only when... <laughs> Eddie and I at full time it, I, I had a boot full of champagne and we hadn't wanted to take it into the dressing room because we didn't want to jinx anything yeah. obviously before and so I, at full time me and Eddie ran out back out to the car park and then back in and it was really difficult because they didn't want to let us through the tunnel with it because they were all crying their eyes out and we stood there with crates of champagne <laughs> so we ran through onto the pitch and, and uh, we're trying our best not to sort of slip over carrying all these boxes and uh, he went, oh, uh, what a goal from Lee Steele. So I said, what are you talking about? We just drew two all. He said, no, we didn't. We won 3-2. I was like, what? I had no idea that we could actually won that Genius game. question. Yeah, That's so a brilliant question. Brilliant question. Yeah, Super. yeah, it's better than your Lloyd James question, Doug. Yeah. Uh, at Orient, Steve72 said, if you were taken back as CEO, what would be the first thing you would do or change? And similarly, at Nick Almighty said, if you were reinstated, how and what would you do to stabilise the club? Uh, the first thing I'd do would be to sit down with the owner and try to impart on him the importance of, of genuine communication with the fan base. I mean, with Barry, people might not have liked everything that he had to say, but he would say stuff to them, you know, and they knew where, where they stood. I think the current situation is, I don't think by any means that Bacchetti's ideas for the club are all bad. However, he's not telling people what those ideas are. So it's very difficult. People then second guess and, you know, they, they make their own assumptions. The first thing i do would be to just sort of say to him, look, the, the, what you've got to do now is you've got to try and convince people that the first two years have gone and year three is going to be different and this is how you're going to make it different and you believe in the family ethic, you believe that it's a community club, you you will show more faith in the manager, a bit more stability and this is you're going to tell people that. Hopefully, I've seen he's going to do a meet the chairman evening at the supporters club, hopefully that is the first step towards increased communication uh, and 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 just restoring that that bond between the club and the fan base and and that trust that that exists before. So that would be the first the first thing I'd do. Good answer. Uh, at E4 Wizzo says I assume after Bichetti gave Slade the ultimatum that you would have had words with FB. Uh, do you think that's what hastened your departure from the club, or was there another? Yeah, issue? I sent. I sent. I didn't have words with him because we we never really saw him, and he did. It, it, it doesn't come into the club other than than match days, but. Um, 
I sent him a long, strongly worded email giving my support for Russell Slade and, and the regime um, that existed at the time and urged him to, to, to keep faith with yeah. Russell. And then about four days later, um, Russ left. And then about five days later, I was sent an email by Alessandro Angelieri informing me that I was expected to resign immediately um, because, wow. in his words, the club was now fully operational, so I wasn't needed anymore. So that you know that that was what happened there. Okay, so next question at Mossy LJ. When you were chief exec, would you ever recommend a player to the manager to sign? Uh, yeah, I told Russ we should have signed Yannick Balassi when he was at Plymouth. Wish we'd have done that. Wish we'd have done that. <laughs> <Or> how? <laughs> wow. Well, um, you've got an eye for a player then. Yeah, it was quite easy. I think he'd just torn us apart. We went down to Plymouth on the last game of the season the year we just made it, just missed out in the playoffs. So a couple of times, yeah, I, I used to go I used to go to games with, with Russ sometimes or Nuge and, you know, if, generally if you see a good player, you see a good player. And I, I was always really keen on us trying to recruit from non-league. And I found it quite difficult to get that message through. And some of the players generally ended up at places like Peterborough or uh, mm. Colchester or whatever. Yes, but definitely. a few times I'd, I'd have contacts of mine from non-league who would put forward somebody and I'd really push for them. But for whatever reason, they, they didn't come through. We, we nearly got... Um, it was the lad who went to, to Norwich, the centre-forward from Dartford, I think. I can't remember his name. People listening will know, know it straight away. He was, he, he's, he's had a career in, in the pro game. But anyway, the, you know, there was, a, there was a, a few players like that. But you, it didn't hurt to put names forward. And similarly, if they said, no, he's rubbish, then you'd just take it. Because yeah. uh, they were the experts. Funny that you say that. Yannick Velasquez is Gabby's best mate. Gabby's I do really? Yeah. Best friend, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, uh, so yeah, that that would have worked out well then. There's, Gabby on the there's Matt doing us. a 24-7 there, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where are we um, so Mossy LJ also said would if you were asked to at the club would you recommend Gabby to any new manager coming in yeah 100% I think Gabby could be club captain he could be the, the solid player he could play 46 games at centre half alongside you know someone coming through a lot, and, and another new signing if Matt Baudry stays I'd say probably unlikely yeah. you know but so a new centre half pairing for next year is going to be needed so if you had, for example, Zakwani as your captain and lead centre-half, then you had another solid pro, and then Pollock as your, as your third yeah. behind that. You're starting to build a defence. You need to get the spine right. If you look at the year we, the years we were successful, the spine was solid Perfect, every, yeah. every single year. And also, the number of players you use in any one season. You know, Once that starts creeping above 27, 28, then you're very unlikely to be successful. So if you can sign someone like Zakwani who's got... A, a great record of, of playing a lot of games in, in, in seasons. You know, you don't want to sign someone who can only do 20, 25 games a season. You need to sign someone who can do 40 games, you know. Minimum, yeah. And, and Gabby knows the club <coughs> and, and he's a, a fantastic defender. So, yeah, I would 100% recommend that. And hopefully after your exclusive earlier, that, that will come That through. will hopefully yeah. happen. Um, and finally, from friend of the show, at Gould Howard, said, who would you choose as the next manager? Uh, I, I don't know is the honest answer. Perhaps not not as close to it as I used to have been you know maybe a couple of years ago I'd have had 50 people on the phone to me by now putting names forward obviously that's not happening so I, I, you know I, I don't know I, I would pick somebody in the same sort of mould as Russ I would go for somebody who played a lot of games the, the problem the club might have now is convincing somebody who's got a reputation to protect to come in because they're probably going to think that it might not last too long mm -hmm. um, you know I'd possibly consider Hessenthaler to be fair mm -hmm. you know he's seen what's happened over the last 12 months He's, he's had a, a managerial career of his own. Um, he seems quite impressive. I think the players respect him. So, you know, on the spot like that, I'd maybe say Andy Hassenthaler. Um, but 
that's without giving it too much thought. You know. Cool. Good chef. Cheers for your answers, Matt. Superb stuff. So, speaking of Howard Gould, we just asked the last question. We spoke to Howard to find out what the Leighton Orient Trust have been up to this season and to get his views on the current season at the Orient. So, here's Howard Gould. Thanks for joining us, Howard. Appreciate you giving up some of your time for us. Um, been a long season. The Trust have been out and about in the community. What, what's, um, what's been going on there? Perhaps you give us a bit more information. Oh, well, the community side, um, it, it's non-stop. Um, obviously, inside the school building, you may notice occasionally the, uh, the students in there. There's BTEC levels 1, 2 and 3 going on uh, all throughout the year. Uh, they're doing well. They're actually involved uh, not just in their studies, but they play football as well uh, in teams. Um, so you may see those lads playing on the score pitch and wondering who they are. Uh, and that's our uh, BTEC groups. Um, so that goes on now on the education-wise. And they're in association with Auckland Forest College. Um, they're now and about in the community. Obviously, we're still working heavily with primary schools. Uh, this year, we've Believe it or not, we've touched nearly 80 primary schools across the four boroughs. That's fantastic. That we're concentrating. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing actually when you think about it. It's impressive. Um, really good. Yeah, as well as the, a few of the senior schools that we do, the colleges. Um, this year we had a dance. So if you noticed the, the half time during the Plymouth game, there was a dance troupe on the pitch there entertaining us. Uh, so a bit more diversity going on. Um, obviously, the hospitals, the hospices. All the usual stuff, um, lots of charities we're working with, all the schemes that now we're trying to, 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 to keep going, the 50-50 scheme, which you may know about and maybe some people don't, um, whereas we, uh, we allow uh, the local charities or the local like junior football clubs or the primary schools, they can find a fundraiser that they need, so they, they give us a reason to, fund, to, to find some money and we allow them to sell uh, reduced rate tickets at the club and then they can keep half of that, uh, half of their proceeds, so the more yeah. tickets they sell, um, they keep half of that for whatever their, their project is. Uh, that's a 50-50 scheme, people are welcome to, to apply for that and, and we're carrying that on next season, I'm pleased to say. Yeah, fantastic. Is that, is that Justin Waltham Forest? No, that, that's open to anybody. I mean, we started all these things uh, a couple of years ago, you know, that, that we had uh, ideas about, right, how, you know, obviously with the West Ham moving in over the road, it was a matter of, right, we, we need to get on the ball here. So it's a matter of how we're going to hit primary schools, what can we offer, um, you know, how can we get these kids interested and just get little hooks into them, you know. Uh, so all, all these things came about and that, that's evolved into the low pass, which I'm sure you've heard of, but that's the late Orient Partnership of Associated Schools.
Great work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, and, and got, little hot. Sorry, go. Obviously, you've got the walking football that you've done, which seems to be doing, going really well. Yeah, I've got a new colleague now. He's been, been installed about a year ago, named Phil Smith. So if, if anyone wants to do anything regarding walking football or, or the, 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 all these new dementia um, sessions that we now run and reminiscent things, you may see all of these things on the website. He's the man at the trust to deal with that. He, he, he goes on the ground with it now, although I still do deliver a couple of bits and pieces. But the walking football, um, yeah, he's, we both launched it with Peter Kitchen, uh, I don't know, six months or so ago, but he's really leading it. And it's amazing. I went in today just to, um, to have a little look around. I actually joined in because, unfortunately, I'm old enough to play it now. <laughs> I'm not a ringer anymore, yeah. I can actually play it uh, legally. So um, I had a little little run around. There's like 30 guys there. I thought, where, where did all these guys come from? It was like, when we launched it, there was 10, 10 men and two old, two old deers or cold cajoled off the street to come and join him and uh, this morning like there were three pitches going and people waiting to play you know it's amazing that's amazing absolutely brilliant yeah while we're talking if you don't mind me I'm just going to tell you I didn't realise but um, the Football League Trust have uh, uh, set up an inaugural walking football tournament which I hadn't realised I'd played a few weeks ago and they said "All right, um, you're in the squad I said what what, what squad (laughs) you're in the squad for the tournament uh, you're going to Loon on Saturday Oh, wow. All right, okay. Yeah, so um, we made um, uh, top of a regional round because we, we played these little matches a few weeks ago and the team I was in, we, we, we won this little competition. And they said, yeah, well, that's the, now, you, now you're representing Lee Norian in this new football league trust in all seat in Luton on Saturday. And if we get through that, apparently there's a national final. So uh, I'll let go fulfill a dream and represent Lee Norian. No pressure then. Go on. No, no pressure at all on you then. with that just very quickly yeah. wanted to touch on something um, that was that was um, well publicised shall we say in the last but one or the last home game of the season was the Leighton Orient Trust they took the lead project in Walthamstow that's about obviously Leighton Orient's involvement in the footballers battalion in the first world war the ground. 
Absolutely um, fantastic work, clearly, that the Trust have been doing. We have a couple of questions for you now on uh, really sort of your thoughts of, on, on the past season. Um, and, and obviously, we've, we've just missed out on, on playoffs. What what are your thoughts on the season so far, or, or for the part that have just passed? Yeah, well, obviously disappointing. Um, you know, I've got, uh, when you're working inside a club like that and so close to everybody, uh, it's very, you, you have to bite your lip. Obviously, you, you want to, you want, you've got your opinion, and you'd like to voice it sometimes. But sometimes you just got to just just be quiet because mm. you're very close to, to the people concerned. Um, but uh, you know, you know, it's common knowledge, and the players admit it as well. You know, they're disappointed uh, of where we are. We all know we should have been at the very least in the playoffs. Uh, I think that was uh, when you looked at when you looked at the league at the pre-season. And you look at the clubs and you might have thought, okay, there's one or two there that uh, may have bigger and stronger squad and may, may do well. There might be a club who always surprises you, like Northampton have done. Uh, but certainly the top seven, you've got to reach surely seventh place. And that was always my thought. I thought, you know, I don't think there's been a problem to get to seventh. Uh, and to miss out, um, it's, yeah, it's just a, I find it a little bit annoying as well, really. It's a little bit annoying because... As, when you get to my age, chaps, you realise that a football season is also a year of your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you think, oh no, it's a, another year gone by and, and we're, we're in the fourth division. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, frustrating with, with the quality of the players that we've got. But, you know, there's always two sides to the story. And um, the, the, one of the frustrations for, for me particularly is that, you know, in supporters start digging out players and this, that and the other, they, they only really comment on those those lads who cross the white line and then they talk about the 90-minute match. Whereas if you know some of the boys and what's going on in the background, um, you know, the training ground and some of the pressures they have to work under and psychological factors, you know, you give them a little bit more leeway. Although, yeah, well, once they cross the white line, they should like, be a professional. But... It, it, I can see on the psychological it is difficult with some of the stuff that goes on if, if you're not trained properly if, and you're told to do this and not told to do that and someone's interfering if you were at work sitting at your desk and you wanted to get on with your work and you had all that interference behind you and then you thought oh, I don't really want to be here but I've still got to do my best you are affected whether you you think you are or not you know it does affect you so I had a little bit of sympathy for the chaps yeah. although although 
still weren't good enough to go out and get seventh place. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all were, but I mean, hopefully, you know, get a good pre-season appointment manager, get the right signings in, keep out of contract players, and hopefully, you know, in a few weeks it will look much better than what it currently looks now. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we're all pulling the same way, you know. It's uh, whatever happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You're not going to harp on at, at the dinner, but you know, I spoke to someone else exactly about the same thing. The frustrating thing is, we all want the same thing. Mm, yeah, the, bottom, yeah. the bottom line is, we just want Orin to be successful as, as they can be, which is, you know, I think if, if Orin made the championship, people would say, great, that's where we, we think we belong. You know, no one's got a right to be anywhere, but I grew up with Orin in the, in the second division and they were stable there for those whoever it was 12 years. Um, and when I look at that league now, I think, blimey, what, what a division that is, if we could be in there with some of those clubs again. Yeah. You know. So it's very two quick fire questions for you, Howard, and then we'll let you go. So first right. first question, goal of the season? Yeah, I, I had a little think about that because um, we, we've had some uh, spectacular goals, Cox's free kick and uh, the Joby and the Sammy strikes. Uh, even Jay, I think people forget the Jay Simpson. I, I went to Newport away, one of my few away yes. games. But yeah, it good, was a great game. Good a great goal, Jay finished. Good yeah. Good And Ollie Palmer's come and close the guy that's down. That's right, yeah, that's right. Ollie's nicked the ball and it was there, corner, and he's worked hard to nick that ball. Yes. Sammy's taken up the line, and I, I thought he should have knocked it up the line to some, I can't remember it was, but he did, and then he cut back in. I thought, what's he done there? <laughs> and he's looked up and he's picked that pass out. Yeah. Beautifully. You know, and then Clehetti, if you think about it, he was right back on the day, so he was obviously defending. So, what's he doing? How he's got up there, I don't know. So. And it's perfect touch. You know, even those touches, as you know, he must have yeah. all played to. to Fantastic. And then Blair's come in and smacked it first time. All volleys. All volleys. Superb goal. My favourite goal of the season as well. appreciate your time and uh, and your comments and your thoughts on the season and uh, we look forward to seeing you next season thanks very much no, no problem at all thanks for that so that was the thoughts of Howard Gould there telling us all about what the Trust have done this year and all about his views on the season so we've obviously heard from Dean Cox we've heard from Matt Porter and Howard Gould so now it's time to get some views from the man the legend that is Errol McKellar so Errol you touched upon it earlier but your views on the season right well 
Let's start with the uh, the first team. Really, it's for me. It's been disappointing. Um, you know, you know, we've had two years of not doing anything constructive, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. You know, I personally think that we're better than League Two. You know, at the beginning of the season, I thought we should be in the top three at least. I wasn't even thinking about the playoffs because I thought that the squad that we had should have been good enough for top three. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, that's the negative side of it. The positive is whoever comes in, right, and I hope that they recruit within, right, you know, give that manager a chance. Um, you know, but more importantly, for me, the supporters are going to play a really, really key role, right, for the season coming. Because, you know, we are a family-based club, you know, and we bleed when, it, when we're hurting, and we cry when we're happy. <laughs> and yeah. that's what we're about, you know. And we deserve a lot better than what we're getting, you know. And f speaking on behalf of, of that point, we just need to sort of show some consistency and go out there in the season and, you know, give a performance that's, you know, 90 minutes worth of football. You also have the privilege of being... Uh, involved with the youth setup as well, and yeah. as I think we alluded to um, earlier, you know the youth team have done outstandingly well this season. Well, um, that I'm really, really happy with. You know, I mean, for me, you know, there, there's no negatives, just a hundred percent positives. Yeah. You know, and you know, I want to go back to something that Matt said earlier in the conversation about you know sitting down. I mean, you know, when he was uh, chief exec, right, his door was never shut. You know, even if you had a meeting, it was never shut, you know. You could go in there and, you know, talk to him about anything within the club and particularly with the youth programme. And I think that's a very important part of the club and we mustn't forget that part because that's what the club's built on. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the youth have started to come through, obviously, yeah. towards the end of the season, but is there anyone you think we should be keeping an eye on to come through? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's there's one youngster in the club that I'm excited about, young Sam Dolby, right? Which I think um, he's very exceptional for me at the moment. But listen, we have kids that sort of you know come through late. As long as we're working hard with them and we're given the chance to do that and continue to give them the chance to do it, we will keep you know trying to produce young players to play in our first team because that's what we're about, you know. And we've got a great network in there to do that you know you know you look at the likes of and Andy Edwards who's currently helping the first team you know he's the sort of like head of what goes yeah. on you've got Miguel Sousa you've got um, Danny Webb you've got Richard Thomas so we've you know the, the team that's there is absolutely brilliant and we will keep producing players you know we have a good conveyor belt of youngsters in this club at the moment and how do you get those players you just scout the local area or you, you... Like you said, you've got a network, and so you know who's coming. Your recruitment is very important in football, you know, at whatever level. And I think at youth level, you know, we've always been very, very positive, you know, because what we offer the youngsters is the truth. You know, if you work yeah. hard, come in this club, work hard, take on board what you're learning, you really have a realistic chance of playing in the first team. I mean, you look at the likes of young Moses. I was just going to say, Moses is a key you know, example of what can be achieved. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he, he got released at Millwall and he came to us 
and the likes of Andy Edwards looked at him and, and felt, you know what, we can do something with this youngster. And, you know, he's a good, good judge of character, good eyes. Generated several million quid in transfer fees so far. It was Andy who really pushed for Moses to be kept on. Yeah. Second time. Yeah, 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 he went yeah. and got but sent away. No, I mean, there's, uh, between Scholar and Pro. Yeah. There were, you know, there was other voices mm. who were less de- decisive. Decisive, but, yeah. But Andy re- you know. really deserves the credit for it. You know. But again, I want to add to that. Again, you see, this is what I'm saying about, you know, having Matt in the club and his door always been open. Because sometimes you need that help from upstairs. Yeah, you need yeah. to be able to go in and say, look, you know, kid's going through a little bit of a bad patch, right? If we work with him, he will come good, you know, and that's what we're about as a club. You know, we all have different roles, but we come together, you know, as a team, right? And, you know, we're not just a team, we're a family, you know, on a Saturday morning, right? Everyone's got something that they do, you know, but come the game time, we all come together and we all rally around each other and, you know, we want to get a result. And if and what we say to him, listen, you work hard enough, make it difficult for us as a as a, a club to release you. Yeah. Make it that yeah, difficult, yeah. you know, and they proved that. You know, they've gone out and won this they've gone and won this league on merit. They deserve to win this league. It's you a know? tough league as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Some big clubs in, in that league. Bournemouth are in there. Yeah, yeah. And you know what and, and, and football's all about man management and managing youngsters, right, you know, as Matt will tell you is a very difficult situation because you've got every sort of issue going on with them. Yeah, I can so you have to use all the skills that you've got within the club to manage them. Yeah, cool. and you're doing a sterling job. You're yeah. doing a sterling job. Yeah, yeah. the fruits yeah. of your labour coming through. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm grateful that you know Orient as a club have given me the opportunity to to use my experience to do the things that I do in this club. You know, right. and, and, and 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 you know. Matt's part of that, Barry Earn's part of that, because they gave me the opportunity. I mean, I've been in this club 20 years, and it's thanks to these guys. Yeah, cool, which we are grateful for as well. Um, would you be so bold as to pick out a couple? I mean, you mentioned Sam Dolby earlier. Anyone else that we ought to be... <clears throat> you know, he's got high expectations for? I've got high expectations of all of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I make no bones, he's one of my favourite youngsters, right? But, you know... I'm happy for any one of them to progress and play in that first team. I mean, I know it's a, a fantasy dream, but I'd like to see 11 players that have come through the youth programme yeah. start a game. Mm. You know, I know it's rocket science, but... Could happen. You know, that's, it's a dream, so, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it could happen. So, in terms of next season, what are your, your hopes then? To see more youth come through, to see a good manager appointed and to see progress made on yeah. and off the pitch? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the most important thing is... Right. The manager of the first team right, has a communication with what goes on with the younger level as well because it plays an important part. And that's something that Nolan done really well. From what we hear, Nolan done very well. He's yeah. the first manager since yeah. Slade who left. Yeah. Who had done that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, when Russell was there, Russell made a point of being around the youngsters. But, 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 you know, for me, the gaffer took it to another level. You know, he was in the changing room. You know, he, he knew the strengths and the weaknesses of every one of those youngsters. So for a manager for the first team to take time out to know that, yeah. you have to give him credit for that. And, you Absolutely. know, Andy Esseltine, another brilliant coach. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, saw the game not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Yeah. So. Brilliant. Um, just to round up for our questions then, who would you give player of the season to? What, first team? First team. 
Um, well, I suppose if you're talking about goals, right, it's Jay Simpson, isn't it, really? You know, I mean, I've had the privilege of watching him since he was 11, 12 years of age. So, in that sense, I'd probably give it to him. But, you know, um, my sentimental head would, would say the effort that Joby put in when he came in, you know, for all the political reasons, yes. right. You know, I'm, you know, again, he's another youngster that I've known since he was 10, 11 years of age. And just the, the conduct that he showed and how he... Put himself, himself about, you know. He's got some vital goals, especially away yeah. from home. And I hope that the youngsters looking on will learn from that. Yeah. You know, the likes of those, people like Dean Cox, another youngster that I watched at Brighton as a kid, always knew he was going to be a professional footballer because, you know, you know, football is about 5% ability and 95% attitude. Yeah. And he always displayed it. I mean, he's, he's passionate about what he does and he knows don't just talk it he goes on the pitch and does it yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're the heroes for me cool. fantastic so obviously we told Twitter you were joining us had a few comments <laughs> a few questions so firstly from at Orient Steve 72 says I saw Errol this week on the Sky documentary about Jeff Stelling's walk a true gentleman and a superstar so we, I haven't seen that documentary so no. yeah. how, how did you find that it was tough. It was very, very tough. Um, you know, I um, I had my Orient jacket on with pride. I know Matt always ribs me. He said, every time you do an interview, you wear an Orient gear. <laughs> but, you know, I like to sort of let everyone know that. It's normally got engine oil on it. Yeah, it's normally got <laughs> grease on it. But, you know, I like everyone to know that that is my family. You know, Orient is my family. And, you know, I got asked to do the walk with Jeff. And it was, it was I mean, listen, he did 262 miles yeah. Right, and that was That's tough. phenomenal, isn't it? You know, I did 28 of it and it was hard. So, fair play to him. But, you know, we we finished up with nearly 3,000 people in the end. You know, yeah. we had Dean Smith, who everyone knows is, yeah. you know... He's at Brentford now, so that Brentford, makes Yeah, him we did the walk easy. together. Yeah. So, you know, but it, again, thanks to the Leighton Orient Football Club, which is, as I said, my family, they got me through a, an illness that has taken quite a few lives already. Yeah. You know. So And about important. two months ago I switched on the rain at half past seven in the morning and was greeted <laughs> by this lovely man's face on the telly when I was eating my breakfast. Yeah, there's a there's there's a there's a shout that I might be replacing Piers Morgan. I'm, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I'm not quite sure if the word you have to get yourself an Orient tie then. Well, you have to get well, the pod, podcast badge. Back well, podcast badge. exactly, exactly. I mean, I don't know if they're ready for Errol hot chocolate yet. That's the thing. <laughs> Uh, John Macker, 1978, says, can I still play in the next charity match as agreed when we met at the Star Man Awards? <laughs> We've got to sort that out, haven't we? Yeah, listen, um, we're, yeah, yeah, we're hoping again um, to try and do another one, but you know, we were kind of hoping that we would be in the playoffs, that's why we didn't do one this year. But we are sitting down and talking about it at the moment, just cool. going to try and... That'd be great get Matty Porter to come out of retirement and organise it again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to say make another appearance. Make another appearance. Yeah. Hey, 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 we listen. remember. Hey. 100% pass completion rate. We <laughs> six remember. Six. Hey, did he not finish on the winning team? He did just about. Oh, right, just about. Just about yeah. right. And yep. uh, Stan 23 Martin says, I just want to say thanks for Errol for giving me a thumbs up when I shouted you Shouted at you on your lap of honour. So that was obviously ah, yeah. from, from uh, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Okay. He also goes on to say, could you persuade Harry Redknapp to become the next Leighton Orient manager? 
He'd like that, Harry. He'd be <laughs> yeah, plenty yeah. of money and a quick payoff. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I'll tell you it what. It was in Iran, wasn't it? It was in yeah. managing Iran. And he's Jordan, wasn't it? He's yeah. on Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to Australia now, isn't he? Right, yeah. there you go, I yeah. think he would quite fancy that job, actually. He likes oh, a no, challenge. Boy, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He likes that a challenge. That would be incredible. The car park, the car parking facilities at, at the training ground don't really lend itself for him for doing interviews to out of the Permanent Sky Sports News, man. Yeah, it's a bit of a dangerous bend at the top there. You have to be quite careful. Um, and we've asked you, Ryan Talbot, to ask questions, your favourite player, but perhaps youth, oh, youth player, you've already mentioned it as well. Yeah. So, Fantastic. Okay, so those are our views and everybody else's views in, in the room. So just coming on now to your views, and we know that this is uh, obviously a bumper episode, so we'll, we'll get through these as quickly as possible. At Pandemonium1881 has got back in touch with us and says, before a ball was kicked, I would have taken eight from the pitch, as that, was almost cert- as that almost certainly would have meant stopping the rot and showing signs of shaking off the unstable nature of the football club. However, 2015-16 has been far from stable again. Further managerial changes, Hotel Gate, the owners kicking of kicking of Hessenthaler, Lee Harrison sacking, the re-employment of Gagliardi, picking the team by committee and the very real fact that no one seems to be organising anything playing-wise post-season. Some supporters have been saying that Mr Bacchetti is learning from his mistakes, but with that list it's hard to see where. For me, the 2015-16 season will go down as marginally better than the previous fast, but by very little, and once again, it has left me, and no doubt many O's fans, scratching their heads in disbelief and wondering uh, what just what is next. So Great points there from Matt. I just want to add to that. Right, look, you know, we, we, we've touched on the, the, the battles of 15-16 season. 16-17 season, whoever it is, Right, the supporters are going to play an important role. Let's get behind the team, right, and let's said. get us back where we belong. Well said. Well said. Yeah. So, also views from at Orient underscore fans says a really disappointing season, and my frustration is with players as well as Bichetti. A good start showed the players are capable of performing. When the pressure was on, we bottled it too many times. Yeah, at Elliot M. Byrne, the root cause of all our problems seem to come from one place. No doubting Francesco Bichetti's passion, but needs to learn from his mistakes. Yeah, at Jack Finch twelve. Says, I think the season has been disappointing. I think a lot of fans had high expectations that just haven't happened. Been far too much interference from Bichetti, thinking he knows what he's doing when clearly he doesn't. We need an experienced manager to come in and sort out the team to get the contract sorted out, but give the new manager time as Rome wasn't built on a day. And that's you know that's, that's going to be the key I think throughout all these tweets. On on that question, we go back to what Matt was saying about you know sometimes you need to just you know remember that you know. There's a there's a, a family feel in the club, right? And together, you know, you can solve. You know, we can we can sit down and keep sort of blaming this issue, blaming that issue. At the end of the day, it's about getting results, yeah. right? And we've got to come together. We don't listen. We don't always have to to like an opinion that somebody gives us, but we have to respect the person for giving it to us yeah. in the first place, yeah. you know. And you know, whatever the situations are, we still need to put a team out there that's going to win a game every week. Yeah. Yeah. At Doe Lewis, season defined by injuries to Cox and McCallum, plus not having a manager at any point with any tactical efficiency at all. We need a boss who knows League One and League Two, knows how to adapt tactically and can eradicate our obvious weaknesses. Yeah, at Acreant, says we gave them the benefit of the doubt last season and it being a learning curve, but it's happened again. It cannot happen next year. I believe we won't progress until we get the right man, not at manager level, but to look after the whole ship and in nicely uh, mentioned... At Matt Porter, yeah, it's not, I mean, I, I do appreciate all the nice messages people send in. It, it is important. Look, the the problem is that the the the, the owner's got a, an inner circle of people who are all Italian and all 
of varying degrees of experience ranging from none to not a lot. So, I mean, if you, if you look, I'll give you another example, right? At Chelsea, there was a guy called Bobby Campbell, he used to be their manager, he died last November. He was basically Roman Abramovich's number one advisor. Roman Abramovich didn't know who he was when he went into to, to Chelsea, and he took a load of Russians in with him, fair enough. But he had Bobby Campbell around with him, because Bobby Campbell was a Chelsea legend who'd managed the club, who understood Chelsea, and who said to him, this is what we should be doing, Mr Chairman, this, is what, this would be what will make you successful, Mr Chairman, and he listened to him, you know? All it would take, and don't get me wrong, this is not a job application, this is not a job for me in the slightest before people start saying I'm bitter and this, that and the other, because I can assure you I'm not. It should be somebody different who's not connected with the previous regime because the club has to move on. But somebody who can go and say to Francesco Bacchetti, this is what you should be doing now. And you do it, I don't want to front it, whoever this person is. He fronts it, he's the owner, he deserves the credit for getting it right when when it happens. But just somebody who can go in there who's not, you know, who's not somebody from the backgrounds that these guys who are around him at the moment have got. You know, I mean, Alessandro was last-minute choice for chief exec. Vito Michelli is a lovely guy by all accounts. I've never met him. But again, not really experienced. Presenda from a TV background. Gagliardi from a somewhere not connected with professional football background. There's got to be somebody in there who's steering it. Otherwise, the strategy will never be right. And then until that happens, I find it hard to see how he's going to change his, his own uh, pattern of few bad results, sack the manager. Because that is just what they do in Italy. That's not him. That's Italy. That's what happens. You know, you look at Italian coaches' records. They've all had a dozen clubs. And they all get one-year contracts. It's just what they do, you know? And that, for me, is so critical that, that somebody can go in there and just pull a few strings behind the scenes just to tweak things and, and move them in the right direction. Cool. Can I just add to what Matt was saying? I mean, I, I, you know, I know Matt's going to play this one down, right? But from a personal point of view, right? For me, there's only two people that are capable of doing this job, and we're both sitting in this room. Right? <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's, it's quite. Well, simple, I've ruled really. myself out. Also, it's well, going to be you. I think you're talking about me and Paul. Like, we need you on the support. No, we need you on the support. But no, listen, we're very passionate about this club. We love this club, right? And we believe in this club. And despite what happens, listen. Matty Porter will still be there supporting this club yeah. until the big man upstairs says, I've got a job for you up there, right? If I take this club over tomorrow, right, I'm doing the lottery now, so if I take <laughs> this club over tomorrow... I haven't checked my numbers yet. Right, the first thing I would do, I would go to Barry and say, Barry, can I get Matt back here, right, just to help me do this, right? Because you need people that believe in the club, you need people that love the club, and you need people that will support the club, right, and get us back where we belong. Listen... 2006 has been a great period for us, right? And we're going to live on that memory. We need something to add to that now. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah, you can't die on you can't yeah. die on past glories yeah. forever. Yeah. And let's you face know. it, our glories are, are erratic enough, yeah. sporadic enough as they are. You know, yeah. I mean, look, I did a charity last year, right? And the minute I said we will bring him back to 2006 squad, it was like a sellout. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So people, listen, we are passionate about the success within this club, right? And from a personal point of view, um, you know, Matty has supported this club since he was a kid. Mm. You know, I fell in love with this club, right? And it's now a love affair. Cool. Wow. 
Hard to uh, move on from that, but we're going to have to. Um, at MX Quick says, I fear we'll be stuck in this league for a few years yet. If we were to keep everyone and bring a few of the youth and not lose our better players to long-term injuries, we'll get out of this league. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. Uh, at David TH 64301889. Poor recruitment on and off the pitch, knee-jerk reactions, interference by ball into stuff they should leave alone, shambles. But we appear to have a very good young group coming through. However, they need, they need a stable club to develop at. Yeah, at Rich P242, entirely forgettable season. Just shows how poor the league is, though, that we somehow finished eighth. Yep. At John Macca 1977 says, For me, Bichetti is too arrogant to learn from his mistakes. It's been two years now, and he's still making the same mistakes now. The team he has around him, pussyfoot around him, and have no balls to say what they think. Uh, Bichetti says, Jump, and they say, How high? Bichetti's like a little boy with a toy, and for me, he needs to come out himself and own up to his mistakes. Yeah. At Len M4, Hendon had a rough patch, but I believed he would have eventually sorted it with the January window. Bichetti needs to learn that patience pays off and it's no good removing managers for the sake of it. The team will benefit in the long term. Yeah, not just the team, but the club as a whole, I think. Yeah. At Bradley Ackers95 says, F- FB should apologise to Slade, get him back to Orient. Uh, let him manage the team, we'll be back fighting in League One. I would love that to happen, but... I can't see that one. Yeah, I always think it's a bit dangerous. Going back is mm. difficult, and yeah. not many people second time around. You know, no, lose the magic. Yeah, 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 it's difficult. The expectation levels will be there, and if you, you know, if you don't achieve immediately, then the patience isn't likely to be. So yeah. I don't yeah. know about second time round, but obviously Russ was great. It's difficult. <laughs> it is difficult. What Matt is saying, but look, you know, we've got good guys within the club, right? And you know, maybe you just need to sort of, you know, look at within. I think some of the appointments were. F- I mean, look, I know I'm, I'm possibly in the minority on this, but Hendon would have done. He would have done all yeah, right. Matt, he might yeah. not have won League Two this year, no. but he would have done all right. Yeah. Nuge would have kept us up last year. Yeah. Obviously, Russ would have done, etc. Yeah, Milanese yeah. and Liverani were yeah. a joke, but the, you know, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have been relegated, mm. and we would have got in the playoffs with either Hendon or Nolan. I think yeah. this yeah, year. Agreed, so agreed. just pick someone and stick with them, and yeah. don't yeah. expect. You know, okay, you're mm. not going to win forty six games, but. Well, on that basis, Leicester would have sacked Ranieri. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, just, just pick something. You see what Matt is saying there, which is, is quite important, really, is that, look, you know, everything... I mean, the first the first month, we, we sort of... We were, like you saying, bolt out of the blocks, right? Yeah. But the crisis happened the minute Usain Bolt lost these race. Mm. You know, we yeah. didn't sort of, like, think, OK, right, let's give him time to recover... Yeah, you know, yeah, we weren't so, in a crisis yeah. when it was, you know, it, it, that became the crisis. Yeah, it, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Time, time, sometimes you just got to be a little bit patient. And look, you know, he's the chairman's got to, you know, look, he's in a position like where he makes a decision. But at the end of the day, right, sometimes you still need to ask the question, you know, and there are people in the club that you can ask questions. Yeah, you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to have an answer to a question. Yeah, you know, you just need to say well look ask me because I'm passionate and the answer I'm going to give you is going to come from my heart as well as my head it's not going to come from the base of my feet yeah. you know and that you know sometimes you just need to look at you know you haven't got to go outside when the answers are inside yeah you know and that's the battle that I find with the club at the moment we just you know we've, we're, we're kind of you know like there's a little bit of a split in there right? and it needs to all come together because that's how we're same direction. Yeah. yeah, everyone's yeah. got to be batting from the same pitch. Yeah, I well said. 
At Orin underscore 17, should have walked this league. FB needs to get experience in who will bring some hungry players and get back to League One. Yeah, at Tony underscore Antonio, says manager with a promotion on his CV, even Wesley or Evans. Oh, <laughs> I know Tony. And he's we a, disagree. He, he, oh, you know Tony? Uh, well, he lives in, I think it's the fella, I know it. I think he okay. lives in Cyprus, nice fella. Mm. But lives far enough away from Graham Wesley and Steve Evans to not worry about them being the manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At David Megix, uh, disappointing season. Nolan should have been given time. The fans were with, fans were brilliant with the support, but that wasn't enough. Yeah, at Sadie May four oh seven says the squad wasn't good enough to compete. Too many average signings. Chairman also a massive fall on our side because of his interference. But the fans are class. There's been a brilliant following all season. I just echo that. Like we said, you know, wait, Portsmouth taken over a thousand yeah, to Portsmouth I, at Oxford again. And the home crowds this year, when when we were in League Two before, to get over five thousand was a big deal. This year it was happening regularly. I know there was a yeah. lot of comps over in the East End, but nevertheless, the home support this year yeah, was fantastic. tremendous. And really obviously, next great. season that should carry on with yeah. the, yeah, uh, with yeah. the scheme. This, this is what, this is what I'm saying about you know I, I've I've gone on record and said it. You know, I challenge anyone to bring me a set of supporters like what we have. Right, that will give you that support that you get. Right, yeah. so all we've got to do is give the supporters that on the pitch. Oh, absolutely, you know, because it's you know, look, you know, whatever the situation is, the supporters will be there. Yeah, right, through thick and thin. Right, so what we need to do is say, you know what, we need to give them something. Yeah, you know, two thousand and six, we've done it, but like we're saying, we can't keep harping on about past school yeah. we need something new to get excited the, the, the core group will be there and they'll always be there win, yeah. lose or draw yeah. but you've got, to, you, you've got to give new people reason to go as well yeah. and that's you know that's that could be, could be difficult especially with West Ham moving into the Olympic Stadium you yeah. know that's going to be more important even more so, important yeah. because that's now a challenge more important than ever wasn't it the yeah. trouble was every time we gave away or, or we had a bigger oh, crowd in through the comms we ended up losing that was the biggest running yeah. joke we had for years that you never seen a ticket giveaway because you're going to lose the game yeah we used to do it yeah yeah. but we've got to give supporters a reason to come to Leighton Orient yeah. that's what we've got to do and you're only going to do that by the results on the pitch we got enticed by the £10 season tickets and the last tweet of the season yeah. so this goes to at Boatsy who says the season has been like a South End roller coaster great start poor in the middle and okay finish we now need stability so thank you very much to everybody who tweeted and sorry if we haven't been able to read yours out and you've been a consistent tweeter. We only have so much time and already looking at the time on the clock for this podcast. If we just carried on, we'd be here until yeah. probably next week. So those were, our, those were your views. You've heard our views. And just one more final view um, that we can cram into this. Um, Archant's Leighton Orient's roving reporter, George Sessions, gives us his thoughts on the season uh, and some other bits and pieces as well. So here's George. So, George, thank you for joining us. So, you were pretty much at every Orient game last season, if not every, I would say most of them. So, yeah, other than the Tuesday night ones that are in the uh, middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, like um, pretty much everyone. <laughs> so, what were your thoughts as a holding on, on, on last season? Uh, I think the overall feeling is just disappointment, isn't it, really? And a bit, uh, you know, I probably had in frustration as well because, you know, it did seem like Orient had all the tools and all the people there to actually make a good challenge. And, uh, you know, make a good fist of getting promoted, and you know, a number of different reasons have um, have conspired to you know ensure they didn't really. Um, you know, obviously, you know, having three managers in a season never helps anything. Um, a lot of people would probably say that Hendon was deservedly sacked. Um, you know, it's hard to sort of know now, isn't it? Really, considering where they finished. Um, you know, I don't think many people would say. 
slightly alluring, doesn't it? But I think the, the main feeling really is just disappointment because there were so many missed opportunities. You go through some of the results and you just pull your hair out really at some of the, uh, you know, to, to lose six, to lose, yeah, six points against Hartlepool is, is poor. Um, yeah. You know, against York, that, you know, even at the home game, only scraped it really partial. That was a lot more nervy than people thought. And, yeah. and obviously draw at home. Um, you know, you go through a lot of the results and they're not great. Like even, you know, obviously won at Yeovil at the end of the season, but that draw with them in yeah, the central was, yeah. was a poor one. And I think the um, the problem really was that under Hendon, there wasn't enough wins and there was too many draws. And then towards the end of the season, you, you didn't have no middle ground. It was either a win or a draw. It was either a win or a loss, sorry. And, yeah. you know, if they could have got that a bit more consistent across the season, then the chance that they would have come in the, uh, in the first. And, you know, you, you look at them, it's and I think it is on the end yeah. and you just think if you know all, all that has to happen really to uh, to have got in is it's to hold on against Wimbledon in that first game and then you get another two points to the tally and Wimbledon have one less and then you go away to Wimbledon on the uh, on the 23rd of April and you get a good result and, and they're in there bank straight away but it's um, I think the override, override feeling is just disappointment really because you know they have underachieved there's no doubt about it to have a top goal scorer well to have a guy that scores 25 goals in the um, in the division and, and not make the playoffs is a uh, is a you know is, is pretty poor, isn't it? Yeah, great point. Also, I, I guess we were very unlucky with injuries. Obviously, Dean Cox, McCallum, Lloyd James at point, Sammy Moore, Baldry. Yeah, I think um, you know injuries and and people being unavailable. Just think what would have happened if if Dean for one had been there for the whole season. I'm I'm certain or it would have got in the playoffs. Yeah. 100 percent because I think he finished at the top until November and, and then you think if you had Dean on one side and, and Joey McEnough on the other that's you know the best two wingers in the league in my opinion really potentially maybe you had to keep my roof and Ricky Holmes in there as well so yeah. you know looking at Joby not being available for the first couple of months of the season then Dean getting injured and Paul getting injured as well was you know as you mentioned obviously a big bum and, and I think it's um, it's important to point out that both Lloyd James and Sam Moore you know were absent for quite a long part as well um you know, Lloyd started the season pretty well, was then had a bit of a different form and was obviously missing for a, uh, a big chunk. And, and then when he came back, he really showed how good he was. And I think for Sammy, he sort of went under the radar a bit, but, you know, he was missing for um, two crucial periods of both months, really. He got injured, um, I think it was just before Ian lost his job, about a month before. And I think that already only won one game when Sammy was injured. Um, when he initially first got went out with a uh, an injury problem, and then the same sort of happened when he got injured under Kevin. He, he missed a month, and, and then results sort of went to dip. So I think um, you know his role in the team was really crucial. When he was, wasn't there, he was badly missed. Yeah, great points, great points. So so obviously we're in the summer now, or approaching the summer. Still managerless, still got a lot of out of contract players. So no one really knows what's going on. So if you what what do Orient need to do in the summer then to kind of get ready for next season? I think um, in terms of the contract players, they need to be offering contracts to McEnough, Lloyd James and um, and Baldry in my opinion. I think definitely those yeah. three. So, uh, you know, there's so much experience there. With, with, um, with obviously McEnough, he's, you know, extremely wise, played in the Premier League, so you don't really need to talk about his experience. But I think the key one with Lloyd and both Matt Baldry is that they've been oriented since 2012. And, you know, if you take them two out, the only person that's been oriented longer than three years is Dean Cox. And you do need people at the club who are, who know the club really and know what goes on at the club. And to lose them them two in particular 
would be a massive blow. And even you look at people like Conor Wrestling and Fraser Shaw, but I know they're both out of contract. And I feel like they've been, you know, badly treated at certain times of the season, really. Obviously, Fraser's injured now, as you guys pointed out on, uh, on Saturday. But, you know, he's not really been given the chance when he must have before that. And I, I, I felt like he showed the potential, you know, to be a good football league player. So I would have liked to have seen him get a contract. And Conor as well, because he started the season so well. And he did. That injury in, in October really, um, you know, set him back massively. So I'd like to see them to get contract personally as well. But, um, you know, with the manager front, it's, it's anyone's guess, isn't it? No one has any idea what's going on except oh, for uh, Francesco Bacchetti, unfortunately. And as we all know, he doesn't speak to the fans too much. <laughs> well, that date's been set as July the 25th, so we shall, we shall see if he does turn up for that. But it's interesting you mentioned about Fraser because... Adam Chickson came in as a left back for some unknown reason and for me Adam Chickson I, I thought he played a couple of games for us a few years ago and he was alright and, and I thought oh this is a bit of a step up but actually Adam Chickson was was pretty poor and well yeah Chickson you had Cole Ke- I can't, still can't say the guy's name Pequa. yeah and JBW so but, 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 with, but with regards to Chickson uh, Shaw was better than Chickson and Chickson's a more established league player so it just, it just, I just wonder what there's obviously more to the Fraser Shaw situation that perhaps no one seems to really know about other than the two managers. Yeah, I think with that Chickson one, I, 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 I see where you're coming from because there didn't seem too much of a difference between him and Fraser. I think the only reason he really come in was because Fraser had that poor game. I think it was against Carlisle, um, September 29th, if I remember rightly. He had, he had that bad game, and he seemed to lose a lot of confidence then. So I think. Yeah. In hindsight, Ian probably done the right thing actually to take Fraser out for a month and then obviously Adam Chickson was there, filled in and then he went back and Fraser come back in and, and started was, and was doing okay again I thought. Um, and then, the, you know, obviously you had Cole Capecqua come in and they sort of rotated a little bit. It didn't seem too bad then. It, it was only really when, um, you know, Jerome Bin and Williams come in that Fraser just got completely um, shut out and, you know, Jerome did start well but after about a month I thought he really went off the ball and it would have been good to have seen Fraser get a chance then yeah. but it never happened and, and then obviously he got injured so he couldn't sort of make a claim. No, yeah. that's a fair comment. Um, so, a couple of quick fire questions then because obviously as you've seen so many, what would you say is your goal of the season from what you've seen? Or, or I'd say um, goal of the season, I think probably, I'd say Mackinac behind the goal for, for that one and just to watch that curl in and fly in was, was outstanding um, what would you say is the best match of the season um, probably the Portsmouth game I think yeah, best day. performance I thought that was brilliant um, you know I, I think that a lot of Orient people would agree they got you know to be fair battered for the first 15-20 minutes and then the sending off changed everything and Oli Palmer made one of the games of his life and, and then Portsmouth obviously got it, got it back to make it 3-2 and it was a bit nervy at the end but that was a uh, a proper, you know, ding dong game, one and especially on Boxing Day, I thought that was yeah. that's probably up there with the, uh, the best of the season. Oh. And who could forget Francesco then giving a uh, old Hess the old boot and then and then going to celebrate with all the fans. The banter boot. The banter boot. Yeah, exactly. Banter. That was the way it was. Nothing else in that. Nothing else in that. And nothing about a forty grand fine and a six game ban. <laughs> yeah. So to round it off, then George, player of the season for you. Player of the season. Um, tough one, that isn't it? I, I'm a massive fan of Oli Palmer, but I don't think you can really give it to him. He's done well over the season. I think he's improved, but I'd be inclined to give it 
probably say that Shisak deserves it for his consistency, really. Obviously, Jay had an unbelievable first half, yeah. but did dip in the second, whereas Alex has been pretty consistent throughout. Um, you know, had a couple of bad games, sort of really poor and cruelly um, away, and then yeah. he's awful, to be fair, Barnett as well um, in April. But overall, I'd say he's probably my player of the season. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give it to him. Fantastic. Very interesting. George, thank you very much indeed for sharing us, uh, sharing your thoughts with us and uh, have a good rest over the summer and uh, we look forward to catching up with you next season. Lovely. Cheers for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. So those were the thoughts of George's session. So he gave some great insight, actually, and it's been fantastic all season with the work he's been doing. Um, made some very good points. He did make some fantastic points. So moving on, I guess the manager vacancy is still open. So, yep. Paul? I'm going to revert. I'm going to go a little bit left field and just say give Kevin Nolan the chance that he deserved as we said earlier in the in the episode that he has the best the best win rate all right, over a short period of time but you see managers over 15 games do much worse than that and you know I think he should be given the chance you know he's it was got about the right. everything else he was doing as well I think yeah he's he's like a good pro. The whole he didn't just come in to coach the first team he came in to to direct the club club and yeah that's important yeah so for me I'll go with Kevin Nolan and give him a proper chance mm. yeah nice one. for me I don't think that's going to happen. So I've, I've put either Steve Cottrell, who I don't think we'll get, or Nigel Adkins, or an experienced manager with promotion in an English league who knows how to, you know, the highs, what will happen throughout a season. But I don't think we'll get either of those two. As I said, it's going to be very hard to get somebody to, to, to convince somebody to come in who's got, mm. who's got yeah. something to lose, you know, because they're not going to fancy the, the idea of, of, of working with an owner who pushes the button so, so rapidly. You know, you're going to end up with somebody who's going to take a first job or somebody who's out of work and can't get another job. Yeah. You know, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. everything points to, to that being the case. Oh, well, if it's not myself... <laughs> you've already become the chairman's chief well, advisor in the yeah, last yeah. yeah, if it's yeah. not myself, I would recruit within... Yeah. I would, you know, if we so can't, you're looking at Hess. Well, if we can't, or Andy, Edwards. Yeah, if we can't, well, I'd, you know, I'd definitely be screaming and shouting for Andy Edwards anyway. Mm. But if we can't bring Kevin Nolan back, which it seems that's not going to be the case, mm. then yeah. I would be. I, I don't think we need to go out. I think we can work with what Man. we've got. Yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. some people out. You know, Danny Webb's going to be a big coach in the future as well. So, and Yesseltine, I would have. That would be my choice. Cool. Andy Edwards would be my choice. So we don't need to go out. Just do it within. Mm-hmm. And I'll work with Shout them. So yeah. no problem. No right. Nice one. Wicked. So moving on now, we've got a, quite a number of out-of-contract players. We've got Lloyd James, Matt Baldry, Joe B, Bradley Pritchard, Gary Woods, who's been on loan up in Scotland, who I think won a cup. He did win a cup, up yeah. There. Connor Essam, question mark. I, I don't think Connor is. I thought Connor signed a two-year. No, I year. thought he signed a one. I think um, it was a one. Fraser Shaw, he signed a one-year. Blair Turgot certainly signed a one. And Nicky Hump, I believe there isn't, we believe there is an option for a further 12 months of him. I don't know what. Well, that was a kick in. Yeah, Hunt, Hunt's, that was reported, Hunt's under contract for next year, but Essam isn't. Essam isn't, okay. So lots of out-of-contract players. So out of that list, who, who would you keep? I'd keep Lloyd James, Joe B., for me, Lloyd James and Joe. Yeah. You can't it Finn. possibly Fraser as a as a future someone to bring through. Um, for me, yeah, those three. It's big someone missing off that list for me. You know, <laughs> I'm going to say Matt Baldry. I don't think you're going to find many better footballers in League Two defenders as Matt Baldry. 
I know the pros, problem is pros the problem to the mistake. But what but what League Two defender isn't? Do you know what Matt Baudry alongside Gabby Zakwani is different to Matt Baudry alongside yes. somebody different every week like yeah. it's been yeah. this season? Mm. You know, I think with Baudry, he was at his best when he wasn't necessarily the senior person yes. in the centre half pairing. Yeah, 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 Clark yeah. or Cuthbert, you know. Mm. And um, Baudry is, as you say, what probably the best, if not one, one of the best, if not the best ball playing centre half. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. he might need a. a a leader alongside him or this year he's had that pressure of being leader yeah. and maybe he hasn't I don't know but maybe he hasn't he hasn't um, enjoyed Sat that much, quite well, yeah. Yeah. when you I mean if you if you take that a little bit further I mean somebody like Gabby coming in right who's had the John Mackey schooling right then he's going to run through brick walls because that's yeah. what Johnny Mackey's mm. done yeah yeah right, um, Matty Bordier alongside him good shout and then we got as I said we got young Aaron Pollock to sort of go in there and learn his training yep yeah. Kind of two tidy centre halves, good education for the the young man really. Yeah. And and Joby, I mean, I would keep Joby really and Lloyd James because, again, there's there's a lot of energy and teaching in those two players. Good experienced players yeah. and both both game changers. I would Defensive say. Players, both, you know, both, they're always looking for that game. ball forwards. Yeah. yeah especially yeah. especially Lloyd. I think it'd be difficult with Joby because of the money that he he will be looking for. Yeah. You know, for a second year in League Two on big money might be tricky. Yeah. Mm. Agree. At his age as well. Yeah. You know, mm. Top top pro. Yeah. Top pro. Yeah. But. So we had loans that ended with us, Jack Payne, um, Sean Brisley, both at Peterborough, David Gregory was only short-term from Palace, Jerome Benham-Williams was only short-term from Palace, Peter Ramage uh, has been released by Coventry and Callum Gerardo-Martin has returned to Hull City. Yes, Sean Brisley has also been released by Peterborough as well, yeah. so that could lead to maybe, Potential. I thought Brisley done alright to be fair, I thought he had a bit of a tough tough time but done alright. So. Yesterday, Barry Twin uh, posted on the forums and on the Facebook groups that all the players had been sent their letters um, telling them the contracts wouldn't be renewed. So we hear that we hear that straight. It's been verified by a few people. I guess we'll wait and see what develops with that. But obviously, I hope we don't lose all those players. Rulings on stuff like that, Matt? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to inform players by the third Saturday in May of your intentions, whether to retain them or not. It, it, it's not necessarily the, the end of the world to send everybody a release letter. Basically, if a player's under contract and you you want to re-engage them, um, you send them the terms in writing, they then have 28 days whether to accept it or not. If they're a free agent, you make them an offer and you can decide how long they've got to, to make their mind up. So it used to be quite frustrating if you made a player an offer and he go, thanks very much, I'll stick that in my back pocket, I'll phone up the entire football league and see if I can get a better deal in the next 27 days. You know, and then if he can't, I'll give you a ring back on day 28 and say, I'll take the offer. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, hang on a minute, we're trying to build it. We can't wait to the end of June for you to make your mind up, you know. Uh, whereas as a free agent, you can offer them a contract. Nothing to stop you offering them a contract, but you can decide how long they have. I don't think that's necessarily a live scenario or in at the moment because there's no manager, no manager to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, if a manager was to be appointed this week and did decide he wanted to keep Lloyd, Baudry, Joby, whoever, the fact that they've been released wouldn't prohibit him from going out there and, and doing a deal right. with them quite quickly. So it's not necessarily um, the end of the world if there's any if there's any players who want to be kept on. But obviously, it, it, you know, it it does mean that nobody was sorted out a couple of months ago. So there are obviously no, no ones that they're, yeah. they're that keen on. And, and they're all out there. And no doubt every single one of them will have an agent who has already put their Fine. name into every other club in League 2, League 1 maybe, conference maybe. Wow. 
Nice to sums up. Cheers for that information. That's quite useful. Yeah. Um, so a player who we lost last season when they went out of contract was no other than one of my favourites at Brisbane Road over the last couple of years, Mr David Mooney. So we caught up with David earlier this evening just to find out what it's like to be a player in that situation. And here's what David had to say. So thank you for joining us this evening, David. Um, so first things first, obviously this time last season you was out of contract at the club um, yeah. and obviously ended up leaving the club. So how, how did that work? Um... Basically, for me, um, in the January, um, I had an offer to leave the club. Not many people would have known that. And the president at the time and the manager at the time um, wouldn't let me leave um, for whatever reason it was. Um, they wanted me to stay, which I was quite happy to do. And I said, well, if you want me to stay, I need to be rewarded with a new contract. Um, anyway, it went on and on and on, and they didn't let me leave, they didn't give me the new contract, so coming into the summertime then, I was obviously thinking, I'm going to get a new contract, because they were just saying, not sure what league we're going to be in, in terms of money-wise, what was going to happen. So from my point of view, I was pretty comfortable thinking that I was going to be looked after by late and early. but when push came to shove, obviously, I got the email. Um, off Lindsay to say that I'd, I'd been released from the club. Um, wasn't a nice feeling. Um, I'm sure the lads who have had the letters or whatever they've been sent um, are going through that same, same feeling now. But it's obviously a difficult time for the club again this year to finish the season with no manager. And, you know, it's something that you, you don't really want to be seeing as a player. So the next step for you would obviously be to, to try and source a new club. How how long did that take to to sort of come to fruition, and, and how do you sort of go, how does that actually work? Yeah, well, from my point of view, I didn't really want to have um, the upheaval and move my family, and you know I'm pretty settled where I am. I've obviously been at Leighton Orient for four years, and kind of didn't picture myself moving. You know, and, and, and that sounds silly in the football game, but that's where I thought I was going to, like, finish there. But, um, so from my point of view, I was limited to, obviously, clubs within a certain radius. Um, luckily enough, I, I managed to, to meet probably three or four clubs and had different options, different offers. And, and from my point of view, the South End one, uh, was the best one as they were still in League One and financially it wasn't wasn't any different for me so um, I knew that my life was going to kind of stay the same but for other players it's obviously different you know different people have to have to move and everybody goes in different directions in the football game Absolutely and at Southend this year you've had a pretty decent season would you say? Um, as a club we've done We've done okay. We could have obviously finished um, higher than where we have, but um, I think all in all it's probably been not a bad season. Obviously, um, we kind of haven't, you know, flirted with relegation as, as we were last year at Orion. So from that point of view, it was good that, you know, I didn't have to go through them same struggles. Um, but for me personally, it's been hit and miss. I've been out injured. Um, Probably from February till the last three games I came back for and managed to score on the last day of the season. So obviously going into next year or into pre-season, uh, looking forward to, to getting back into it because you finish on the high, you know, you think that you can carry that on then. 
And do you still speak to the lads from from your Orient days? You still in contact with like people like Baldry and Jamesy and Nathan Clark? Elizabeth? Yeah, I, t- I actually seen Lloydy at the box, and then um, the other week I, I was with Clarky uh, two or three weeks ago. We played against Bradford, and then. Um, He's fighting fit and raring to go already, so um, it, it bodes well. So, uh, any advice? Uh, I mean, uh, from from a playing perspective, um, obviously it, it, it's tough not being without a club. It must be quite scary. So, for those that are just to give us as fans an understanding, it's obviously it's your livelihood, and, and, and obviously mm-hmm. you don't then have that pay stops at the end of no. you know, May yeah, or end exactly. of June whenever the contract ends. So, it must be quite a quite daunting if you haven't got something lined up then. It must be the worst yeah. kind of email or letter to receive as well. Yeah, yeah, I think Matt have known more of it in the out of it. I think you get paid, maybe the PFA might pay it, I think, an extra month at the end of your contract. But, no, um, it's the clubs, mate. I wish it was. We'd have saved a fortune. Yeah. Players' contracts all end on June the 30th, and uh, once that's happened, if you haven't signed for a new club from July the 1st, then the club has to effectively pay you one month's notice pay. So yeah, players yeah. get paid to the to July the thirty first by by their previous club. Yeah, so obviously from my point of view, I kind of knew that I was going to have um, a club by the time that was coming around. But I think obviously for certain people, it'd be like any any walk of life. If someone tells you that you know we don't need you anymore, here's your month notice. After that month, if you haven't picked up walk out where you know, any few quid or any bits of money that you have, you know, soon get taken into with your bills and expenses and whatever else, even with your day-to-day livelihood. So it's not a nice time for any player, and I just think that um, they could probably do it in a better way, maybe give people a bit more time as a club, obviously, if people are just getting a letter, like, this week or whatever, who maybe thought they might get a deal. That's not nice. It's not a nice way to do it, but it's the nature of the beast. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody knows what... Football's like a bit cutthroat, and you know clubs have to look after themselves, just like the way players have to. Yeah, yeah. David, thank you for speaking to us tonight. I could I could speak to you all night because you're one of my all-time favourite players. And over the summer, <laughs> let's do this. Let's get like an hour, hour or two booked in, and we'll ask you a lot more questions. But thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, no problem. So I was a very happy man. Finally spoke to David Mooney on the podcast. One of my ambitions when we first started it's the podcast. Year in the making, I was now. like Mooney. So amazing we've got him. Hopefully we'll get him a bit later on in the summer. So obviously now we've covered last season. It's only taken about two and a half hours, but we finally covered it and finished it. So moving on to next season, Paul. What do you reckon next season? Promotion for a minimum. Yep. As a minimum for me, and less input from upstairs. That's all I ask for. Don't think I'm asking for too much. Just less input from those that don't know. Leave it to those that do. And you know, players to do their you know give one hundred and ten percent every game, yeah. nothing less, and yeah. promotion for me. Top three has got to be for none me, of this playoff business. I'm just <laughs> going to say I feel like it's going to have to be the playoffs. I think this season, but I think the key point is the managerial appointment. If they get that right and they start start to learn from their mistakes, and hopefully, you know, pick your man and stick with them. At least give them a season. 
at least do that because if they don't get that right then God knows where we could end up Errol? It's important that we, we get someone in place quickly so that we can sort out the, uh, the players that we need so that we're not caught up in that cattle market of yeah. taking you know, what's yeah, left doing a pan shop job really because yeah. that's what we end up doing don't we which is not good enough really you know and you know get behind the the, the uh, players and let's get promotion we don't want to be playoffs promotion like top it. three like that's it. it that's it agree yeah. Matt agree with that yeah of course yeah I mean obviously everyone wants a winning team but the two things for me are, are, are a manager that, that gets some time and also I just want to see that, that bond between the club and the fans restored you know I want yeah. to see I don't know um, Loft are doing a lot of recruitment drive at the moment I think people should probably join up and also join the supporters club just because anything that brings the the, the fan base some more unity, you know, will we'll help the club, and and that's you know for me that that year we were we were almost got to the championship. Everything pulled in the right direction on and off the field, and that you know that will happen. Um, it, obviously, if the team starts winning games, but before then, it can happen anyway. If if you know if the fan base is yeah. united, is united. So I guess yeah. the first part of that is a supporters club meeting with Francesco yeah, hopefully Schermann. that goes well. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. been, he's been there for two years and this is the first time where he's actually yeah. going to have a face-to-face with the supporters. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Mm. If it goes ahead, it'll be very interesting. Yeah. So a step in the right direction. And obviously we'll mention the season tickets, you know, to get the more kids in. Like you said, the crowd next season will be more important than ever. So, you know, under nine, under nine is it? Is it under nine is it? Under nine. Under 11. Under 11 is at nine pounds. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fantastic yeah. offer yeah. from works out 40 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. When they, when they have that meeting with him, you know, be frank and, and, and put your point across as sensible as you can because, you know, may, maybe with all of what needs to be said, you know, he will get what how people feel, what needs to be done, you know, and if he sits there and listens to people directly saying it to him, it might change, just change his way of looking at things because I don't think he, he, he doesn't understand. I just think he's, he's maybe just not aware of how passionate people are, Yeah, you know. That's a good point. And hopefully, you like people. I think if everyone goes into aggressive, he just won't do it again. So I think it's yeah, quite important think, they get the right kind yeah. of supporters yeah, in. Yeah, it, he's just right. not absolutely mm. steamrolled when he goes in there. No, but yes. in the same vein, it's difficult for people to do that. You know, you, those sort of evenings were rarely confrontational because people generally just aren't like that. You no, know, and yeah, there isn't exactly. there isn't obviously a massive degree of you know, hatred and anger. There's a lot of frustration and disappointment, which yeah. is a different thing. So I don't think it, it'll boil over into anything like that. But I think, as Errol says, rightly so, it's important that people make it clear that, you know, that they haven't been happy with the last two years. And also that he holds his hands up and says, we haven't done everything right. It'd just be good to, to know that, it, it, that the ears would start to be open and, and that they would listen to people who can give advice rather than people who are just there to say, yes, Mr Chairman. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Respect, you know, you don't have to agree, but respect what someone's opinion yeah. is. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. And that's how we're going to move on. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So moving on, nicely done, to the uh, our Orient Outlook polls on Twitter. So we ran three polls on Twitter uh, this week to get your views on goal of the season, match of the season, and player of the season. So first up, goal of the season. So, you know, my individual goal, my goal of the season pick was actually Sammy Moore against Notts County. No one else has picked it, but I thought it was a, a, a ludicrous strike in top corner. Keeper getting nowhere near. I thought it was a brilliant strike. So yeah, and I went with Blair Turgot. Blair Turgot. That's a great overall team goal. Yeah. Very good goal. Very hard to beat. Errol. Yeah. Well, Joby Mackinoff for me. Mackinoff. Yeah. Yeah, me, Mackinough at Portsmouth as well. Yeah. Probably more to do with the fact it was at Portsmouth and for him to deliver it on that on that big stage, mm. you know, next Premier League round. So. Yeah. So yeah. the poll went ahead. We had over 200 votes. 
on Twitter. In fourth place was Sammy Moore versus Notts County, who got 11% of the vote. In third place was Joby McEnough versus Portsmouth with 17%. The runner-up with 25% of the vote was Dean Cox with his free kick against Dagenham and Redbridge. That was a beautiful free kick. Which was a brilliant free kick. Someone got it. He, I don't do know. it. he did the same at Northampton a couple yes. of weeks after, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he had a couple of good free kicks. Yeah. Actually, Very good free kick season. But the winner uh, with 47% of the vote was the outstanding goal from Blair Turgut versus Stevenage. <laughs> Third game of the season, you've got to go on that. That's it. So, well done, Blair. So, match of the season. Um, so, not that many to choose from, I would say. I chose Dagenham and Redbridge away, the 3 1 win. Yeah, I went with Stevenage at home, the 3 0 win. Second, second match of the season, the third match of the season. Yeah. The Dagenham game was a good game. The Portsmouth away, actually, um, to be fair, was a, was a solid game. You tightened up the defence, Kevin Nolan. We won 1 0 from an absolutely outstanding goal. So, job, yeah. for me, that would have probably been. That would have been one of my other favourite games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Portsmouth, Portsmouth. Yeah, I'm surprised there was no votes for Staines because it doesn't matter who you're playing, smacking six Six goals. goals, Yeah, yeah. it's always (laughs) very satisfying. And John Marcus' only goal this season. (coughs) John Marcus. Wow, that's a hell of a memory you've got. I know. know. Amazing, amazing revelation. So he had 177 votes on that one. Uh, So in fourth place was Stevenage home with 11%. In third place was Oxford away with 14%. Uh, runner up was Dagenham and Redbridge with 20% but quite a clear winner with this one 55% winner away was the Portsmouth 1-0 victory yes. which you was at and you had a perfect view of that Mac I enough, did have a perfect view of that um, so next was player of the season yeah so the big one so for me I Jay Simpson for me all day long you know it was just such a poacher in the box you know like we've said before he doesn't run around that much or didn't get much of the ball under Nolan but when, he's, when, he's, when you get him a chance he's effective yeah, it's and true. It's got a I, lot of goals. I I went with I went with Ollie Palmer. I went with the same as Howard because I think his work ethic, although his goal tally hasn't been quite what you'd want from a from a striker, his overall play when he's when he's not scoring and his hold up and he's running around and charging people down. For me, you know, if we had seven seven other people doing that, we would have we would have gone up. Mm. The hard work ethic, the stuff that Dave Victor mentions that you just can't buy. Ollie Palmer's got an abundance. I think he's come on a lot since the start of the season. I think you since can tell he's more confident. He's Nolan. maybe more settled within the team. Maybe it's yeah, been, maybe coached, point it's been coached by someone who can... Not that Ian couldn't, but he's, yeah. he's just been coached that little bit better. Who was your player of the... Oh, you, we asked you, yeah. Yeah. Jay. Yeah. Jay, yeah. Jay, yeah. I'd have to pick Jay as well, purely for overall contribution. I don't think necessarily player of the year, but contribution, contribution of the year. 25 out of 60 goals, yeah. you know. Yeah. We lost about him. So yeah. we had over 250 votes on this. So in fourth place, 7% was Joby McEnough, which wasn't bad. I think McEnough only played about 15 league games. Yeah. Uh, third place with 15% was Ollie Palmer. Runner-up with 19% was a star man from the supporters club, Alex Chizak. That's a good point. But the Outlook Player of the Year with 59% of the votes, so... Quite a big majority there. Yeah, Jay Simpson. Well, so has the club well announced its official player of the year yet? No, uh, no. no they've done the star man. Yeah, but the not the star man, but not the club shield. No. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So to go through the positives of the season, then. So we had a few varied ones. Me and you, Paul. We normally get, we normally agree on them, but a few varied ones. So we both agreed emergence of the youth players throughout the season to come on leaps and bounds. Yeah. Uh, for me, Jay Simpson's goals. Yeah. The away support has been nothing short of phenomenal, considering where you know where we finished in the league. Yeah, you know, brilliant. For and for me, Ollie Palmer's work ethic. As I say, uh, you only pick that sort of stuff out because you know in a season where there should have been more positives, you know. Um, and, and and for me, the first five games were were a big positive. It shows that we could what what could have happened if we'd have just kept up with that with that work rate. But Gave us it a good wasn't head start. Yeah. yeah, fair point. So negatives of the season now, sadly, many more than the positives. 
Um, obviously, with the owner chopping and changing managers and getting involved in team affairs and lack of patience with Kevin Nolan. Yeah, massive, I mean, it, that's the biggest negative, isn't it? And we just hope, again, next season, we're not sitting here this time next year we're saying the same thing with a good appointment. So, who comes to an early end? So, defence was another one. Too many silly mistakes throughout the season and conceded too many avoidable goals. Yeah, injuries to key... Uh, players like Dean Cox, uh, Paul McCallum, keeping them out for the majority of the season. Minor injuries to Lloyd, uh, James, Matt Baldry and Sammy Moore also kept these players out yeah, for some quite extended periods of time. Mac as well. enough towards the end of the season as well. I'm probably it's sure like we, prob- we probably you know missed a few injuries on there. Uh, an overall an over reliance on Jay Simpson to score through a lack of goals and coming I think from once, once yeah. Cox gone, you know, not many goals coming from midfield this season. It's got to be worked on next season. Yeah, an inconsistent team selection, as Matt said earlier, because of injuries and suspensions. Obviously, you can't choose the same team every week. So, you know, when you start building up and using lots and lots of players, it doesn't help with consistency. Yep, and the last negative, no forward planning by the club, no manager at the moment, players out of contract and left much longer. You know, they will find other clubs. You know, people like James Baldry, you're making are not going to hang around too long before another another club comes in and says, you know what, I'll take this guy. Um... You know, and when we're out and keeping the ones we want, and also all the best players all will be getting at contracts elsewhere. So then you're playing catch up, thing like Elwell mentioned mentioned previously. So those are our positives and negatives. Um, so that's the post mortem over. Doesn't make easy listening, but there you go. So as we steamroll to the end of this episode, if you listen to us on an Apple device, please leave us a rating and give us a review on the podcast app. So it's the first time we've made a plea through the podcast. But if you listen on an Apple device, give us a rating, give us a review. Uh, be brilliant to hear from you. Yep, we'll be back next season, but in the meantime, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to hear more of or less of each week. Um, Is there a new feature you'd like us to include? Let us know. We have asked the club on numerous occasions about first-team player interviews and haven't been given permission. It's obviously the club's decision. Uh, We can't change that. We we do try, we do ask. Cox are getting fine then, is he? No, we did ask permission for that one and we got that. That was absolutely fine. Good. Um, but just generally to get down to the to the training ground or anything like that is, is a bit difficult. I know they've got content for online and print, so uh, it, it does make it tough. I asked, um, for, I asked for Mooney two years ago and I only got him tonight, so that was good. Yeah. So that was it. So it's um, it's been a tough season with plenty of ups and downs, but we find ourselves in a similar situation as last season without a manager and players out of contract. So it's crucial the management vacancies filled immediately so recruitment and retention on players can begin. So also, as Dave Victor said in his interview uh, in last week's episode, we need a good pre-season to ensure peak levels of fitness throughout the season. Without it, we could see another poor season. So keep an eye, as always, on our Twitter and our Facebook page over the summer because as soon as we get any news, we will let you know. Yep, so just before we say goodbye, Matt Porter, thank you very much indeed for Thanks joining for us. Me. It's been, been quite an extended very episode. Good. Thank you. Um, Errol, thank you as well. Thank you for joining us. Thank um, you. Always a pleasure. Anytime. Over two and a half hours. I didn't actually think that we'd be able to gas bag this long. I can't believe it. Um, thank you both for giving up your evenings well, to join yeah, us. Yeah, much, really much appreciated. appreciated. No the insight that both of you give us. Um, is is generally appreciated by everybody that we speak to. So that is it. Thank you everybody for for putting up with us for the last season. It's not always been positive, but we try to be. That is it for episode 71 now and the last episode of the 2015-16 season. We are now off for a well-earned rest uh, over the summer to recharge our batteries and our enthusiasm. And we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm. Listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Have a great summer. We will see you next season. Up the O's. Up the O's. Yeah.